Welcome to the drunk tank. Take a shot and much thanks for you coming out tonight. Have a seat and come in. Yeah, yeah. Now turn the lights down low. Drinks are in the back. We're about to start the show. Okay, landed and killed in the land of the free. Coming together to spread all the peace. There's more to the story than you'll ever see. Hear up both sides before you just agree. Some of it's funny and some of it's deep. Open your mind and I can't guarantee that we will leave you on the edge of your seats. Now over the docks and the man for CC, okay. Happy Sunday, happy, happy Sunday. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to the Drunk Tank, episode six. Hey, Chris. What's up, man? Hi. Not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, Excited for the day. Why is your camera oh, stuck? Oh. Got it. Fixed it. Never mind. Technical issues abound. You sitting? Look, look at that picture you've left that, me on. Your, your camera's stuck. It's not working. Oh. I right. thought it was my issue. It's your issue. Right. Well, there we crack it. As we take a second to guess the cold, got him exactly. Is my Discord fucked up? I don't know. I can hear you. (laughs) Oh, it wouldn't be a drunk tank episode without something going wrong. Knock on wood. As we wait for Cam, uh, Chris's cam to restart, I guess we'll roll the intro feed for our guest and introduce him. So, be right back. Yeah, uh, headphone warning in case this is loud for those of you that are l- watching live. Um, I'm not sure what the, the sound level is because I can't adjust it in the thing. So here you go. Right. <laughs> can <laughs> can <laughs> everybody welcome to the show, Anthony Smith Wells, aka Gay Macam. Anthony, you're not on stream right now because Chris's camera's fucking the show up. I know it's, I'm, I'm, I'm having to go under my desk because my camera's now just closing screen half. Oh my god. The, profession, the professionalism is <laughs> astonishing, guys. It's awesome. <laughs> what, what a warm welcome, though. What a warm welcome. <laughs> we really like to try on the podcast to make everybody feel welcome and have a professional vibe. Yeah, we're yeah, real professional well, right now. <laughs> Real fucking professional right now. Well, when you get to finally see my lovely um, November attempt, then... Uh... Hey, look, he's on... All right! <laughs> we got shit working! Okay! We're professional. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, right. Chris. Welcome, Anthony. Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, thank you for giving us your time and, and uh, hanging out with idiots like us. But before we do the whole rigmarole of the show... Um, we have to get through the legal disclaimers, otherwise the lawyers beat my door down. If you are of legal drinking, if you are joining us uh, with a drink uh, live or a VOD or on audio, please make sure you are of legal drinking age in your country of residence. Do not text and drive, and please do not drink and drive. That's satisfied. We can properly welcome Anthony to the show. Anthony, what's up, buddy? Uh, I'm pretty happy to be fair at the moment. Um, life's yeah, good. Life's, life's good. Good. Good, good, good. Life's good. Well, well, apart from a couple of issues with like streaming life, but yeah, oh, we'll get into it. We'll talk about it. That's all good at the minute. It's uh, looking good. <laughs> happy. Good, good, good. Chris and you, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing good now. The the camera that is supposed <laughs> to be working and is kind of being a bit of a dick right now. 
Um, but apart from that, I'm actually doing no too bad. I'm a little upset about the football that happened today, but that's another story. Ah, we'll jump we'll, into that we'll too. We'll talk about that. that shit. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you don't want to talk about we'll just, it. We'll just move on. Just move on. <laughs> All right, we'll just move on. So, uh, Anthony, seeing the side that you're the guest, what are you drinking today? What are you? What are you? What are you in, in, enjoying on the show? I'm not too sure you have this across the pond, um, and I am of legal drinking age, so. Uh, I couldn't so tell. I couldn't tell. I was going to card you. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking a nice uh, beverage of Copperberg. It's Ooh. a Swedish cider. Uh, it's a fruited cider. This one is a mixed fruit, which is uh, raspberry and blackcurrant. Nice. Again, I like blackcurrant, yeah. actually. I'm a it's fan. It's lovely. <laughs> Don't tell my parents about my uh, drinking habits. That would be... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sending this show to right direct to them after the show. I'll be like, do you know what your son did? And be like, we're so disappointed. We're so disappointed. So it's well, Kuppelberg, it's You said it's Swedish. Yeah, Swedish cider. Have you ever have you ever tried it before? No, I've had, I've had, I've had cider before, but not not that one because I don't think we have it over here. And if we do, it's in a store that I haven't <clears throat> visited. I apologize. I got a frog in my throat. Yeah, but <laughs> it's good though, right? It's not too intense. Like, how's it? What's it? What's it uh-huh. taste like? Um, so, uh, like the closest flavor I think you might get it from is like Gatorade. Okay. It's a, it's an alcoholic Gatorade. So if you like okay. that, yeah, it's super sweet, super crisp and, um, yeah, perfect nice. when it's cold. Excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, not too high on the ABV, I take it. Uh, no, it's, um, 4.5. So it's just like a, like a normal beer. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What are you drinking? <clears throat> I am drinking a Desperado. Have you drank that one before? Um, I have I Not on the show. I don't. I think yeah, not the show. I know. I don't think you drank one on the show, but I'm pretty sure you had one when we were gaming. Oh yeah, I drank it quite a lot. It's, it's beer with tequila, so it makes <laughs> it a wee bit. Better than drinking just a, a, a normal beer. Like I, I know, like I know, we often have that conversation about how much you like like buds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I like to switch it up just that wee bit right. and just have something a little bit different rather than the generic beer that you drink. Mm-hmm. So, Can you um show it off the branding and the packaging? Yeah. So I mean, if if they want to pay us, right? I'll drink that <laughs> if they back the truck up to my backyard. I've got. I do have to say, Chrissy, it is a good choice. Like, if you're um, out in a pub or, or whatever, that is the closest I get to a lager or an ale because mm-hmm. it needs that extra little bit of kick to it to make it worth your while. You you don't it, like just drinking regular yeah. beer, Anthony? You got to have something something else in it. Yeah, because it, it, it. Nah, not for me. Thank you very much. Mm, <laughs> that's cool. Hey, anybody in chat? Anybody in chat? If I sound real low, please let me know so I can try and bump my mic or whatever. Because last week, uh, we posted the vod of the show, and apparently a lot of people couldn't hear me. So, Discord can hear me. I just want to make sure you guys can hear me as well. My mixer says I'm just touching the yellow, so everything should be good this week. Um, mm. but yeah, let let's let's talk about it. We're all we're all uh, drinking age, like. Chris and I have reveled in our our bar stories. Do you got a do you got a particular banger of a bar story there? Oh, I've got plenty, but I'm not sure they're safe or um, will not put me in jeopardy going forward. <laughs> so, um, well, it's an 18 plus stream and it's an 18 plus show, so you're safe. Fire away. 
I, I will talk about um because it's kind of it kind of leads on to a question as well. So, what's the first drink that you drunk and like and threw up on? Because that drink for me, I can never have ever ever again. Oh, and that easy. was when I was eleven years old. I, uh, me and my brother, who's two and a half years older than me, he so he goes into the local shop, buys a bottle of Jack Daniels. Mm, um, mm, mm. For I think it was like twelve euro. I have half. He has half. Twelve euros again. Yeah, as an eleven-year-old walking through um, the sunny beaches of Mallorca, um, whipping out my dingaling to some passers-by, uh, <laughs> saying, "Wouldn't you like to have some of that?" When I'm eleven, is um, yeah, no go anymore, and the smell of it makes me um, yeah, just reminisce of that memory. So, <laughs> right, well, chat says that, that just shows you the massive difference between. The, the the young Scott drinking and the, the young English drinking. Because when I was eleven and started my tenure as a Scotsman <laughs> or alcoholic, whatever you're from, um my thing was going down to the shops, getting some random guy to go in for you and you would get a three litre bottle of Frosty Jacks for about one pound twenty. Because back then, alcohol was worth it. Um, and going up to the skate park, you know, there was about six years, and we all got a bottle each, and you'd sit up in the park, literally know that far from the house, and just be there. And my my party trick was always get absolutely really, really drunk on Frosty Jacks, think I can skateboard, find out very quickly I can't skateboard, <laughs> and then that was how I enjoyed my evening. I didn't quite go around. So you thought you, you thought you were Tony Hawk then, Tony Hawk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you play the game, you think, do you know what? The real thing must be the exact same as me doing it with my my thumbs, and it, it never ever works it that way. <laughs> <laughs> just just hold down triangle, and you'll uh, grind through this entire curb. You're fine, <laughs> yeah, especially when you're on Frosty's Jacks. <laughs> Yeah, ah, yeah. So, that was my mindset. So I never ever exposed myself. So definite difference in cultures there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I wasn't expecting England, that. So. I, was, I wasn't expecting it to be like, oh yeah, I was eleven and I drank Jack and whipped my dick out. You know, that's 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 what you do. That's what you do. Um. For me, the first drink I ever had, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was because my mom uh, used to have like like adult card game nights with my cousin, my aunts and uncles, and they would make this punch shit, and me and my cousins would sneak out and grab cups of it, but yeah. we didn't know it was alcoholic, right? So we had been doing this for a while. We would like take cups of this punch... And go back to the room and then, like, just hang out, wrestle, watch, you know, TV, whatever. Just act like fucking idiots getting progressively more more shit-faced. Because <clears throat> we didn't know it was booze. We just thought it was, you know, like, she put, like, 7-Up or whatever. I, I'm assuming it was, like, 7-Up, uh, fruit juice, and, like, Seagram 7. Because that was what my aunt drank a lot. So that kind of mixture. And then one year, one year, um, my mom come in the kitchen and I think it was like eight, seven, eight at the time. 
And she goes, what are you doing? I was like, I'm getting some punch. And she goes, what? I was like, I'm just I'm getting to punch out the bowl because you said it's fruit punch. She goes, how many have you had? I said, I don't know, three, four cups. She goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's adult punch. I'm like, and it's good. What the fuck's your point? She goes, I'm not going to smack the shit out of you because you're cussing because you're probably drunk. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm drunk? She goes, there's booze in there, Docs. I was like, but you said it's fruit punch. She said, yes, it is punch for the adults. And then my smart ass goes, well, who's the fucking bartender now who should have told the minors not to drink the punch because there's booze in it? That got me smacked. She took my <laughs> she took my punch away, which pissed me off because I was enjoying myself, getting a little froggy. She said, go to, just go to the room. And then, like 20 minutes later, I get this from my cousin. Yo, I don't feel so good. I was like, why? He goes, I don't know. I said, how many cups of punch have you had? So I don't know, five or six. I was like, dude, I was on like three because I put ice in mine. I, I let it marinate. I enjoy it a little bit. He goes, yeah, I was just thirsty. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm like seven, eight at the time. I don't know what to do. He goes, my stomach's rumbling. I'm like, I'm like you got to use the bathroom? He goes, I don't know. And he goes, Hope. I'm like, you should probably go to the bathroom. You should probably go to the bathroom. And I go, mom, Josh is throwing up. And she goes, why is it? He had five cups of punch that you didn't tell us had booze in it, dumbass. <laughs> yeah. got a, I can't believe you got a punch for having some punch. That's, that's. I did. My uh, mom, that's my mom was, well, I probably got it because yeah. I was being mouthy like a motherfucker because I had a couple in me. <laughs> but the that's first one thing that I don't think, I've only ever like, and I don't know, it isn't a Scottish thing. I think it's just because I'm fucking smart. But it's like, I can't remember the last time I had a hangover or threw up from excessive drinking. I don't know, like, I have like rituals where it's like every five or six drinks I'll have a pint of water, right? Which is just like common sense. Mm-hmm. But it's like, before I go to my bed, I'll stay up for like an hour with no alcohol and just kind of like mellow there, enjoying it. And then I don't know if I learned that for Holland because you used to go to Holland and then like smoke and then just mellow there for a couple of hours. But like it's one thing I cannot remember the last. I think my twenty first birthday, which was like ten years ago, was the last time I can remember throwing up for alcohol. Yeah, it was wow. always quite funny when you hear about everybody else that like, oh, I threw up with us because it's like yeah, how do you throw up every fucking weekend? Like. You are putting the Scottish name to shame there, though, Chrissy. So I do, I do need to to emphasize that that is not the typical Scot that I know. Um, it's, it's, the Scots that I acquaint with, shall we say? <laughs> um, they've got a phrase: if 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 you don't whitey, you haven't had a good nighty. <laughs> Which basically means if you Same don't throw time, if you whitey, you've kind of just like. Wasted all that alcohol, like I just, I just don't see the point in wasting all that. Like having that, and because as soon as you whitey, that is basically your system. Now. I'm just not going to ruin it. Right. Like I, I will say, I'm not the typical Scot because I don't drink as much as it may seem. 
Like I know that the Scottish people have this kind of that they're always on it, they're always fucking thing. Whereas like I'll have a drink during the podcast and I'll maybe have a drink now and again on a stream, but most of the time I'm sober. But that's because for my work I would drive, so it was kind of right. like yeah. I would if I lost my license, that's kind of I've lost my job. So like for the last like ten years I've not been able to drink because of work, but right. still I feel as if like when I. When, so many people, like even my pals, they'll go out on a night out, like Friday, Saturday, which that was quite a hurtful thing when I discovered when I was like 24, 25, I couldn't do a two-day bender anymore. Um, <laughs> but like they would go out for like the two weekends, or two nights in the weekend, and get so leathered that they A, couldn't remember shit, and B, just like shat everywhere. Like fucking coming out both ends. And you're like, how is that an enjoyable night out? <laughs> Like, how is getting absolutely steaming in the pub, shitting and throwing up on the poor homeless man outside in his tent in the back alley, and then gone home thinking, I've got a kebab, that's a win. Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> well, you, you've got, to be fair, I, I I get it, but I don't, I, I think it's it's trying to get it as close to that point before the, the body just rejects everything that you want to do at. And as soon as you're at that point, that's what everybody's aiming for. Just some people go over the edge a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is quite a fine line. Like you're, you're not even talking. It's a drink or two. It's like a, a mouthful. Yeah, yeah, like that's where you can be on that fucking bread and butter, and then as soon as you take that extra swally, and then it's like game over. Like I know that's that's the kind of levels that we're talking here. It's not quite as cutthroat as you think, but. No, yeah. it's just, it's been one thing that never, when I was younger, it was always, like, I can always remember going down to, like, my sister's uh, on a weekend. It was always a Sunday night because Margaret were always off on a Monday, which was hilarious. So our mm-hmm. weekends was basically a Sunday night. And we would go down, we'd get steaming, we'd have, like, jelly shots and fucking gummy bears soaked in vodka and Skittle, like, all the things like that. And we would be playing, like, Just Dance and Sing Star and all that to, like, fucking 6, 7 in the morning, walk home and be like, that was a fucking great time. And then now it's like I'll have, like, a, a few, like, whiskeys or something like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I need to go to my bed. It's like half ten. Let's go. I'm, I'm <laughs> not staying out. Half ten. What the fuck? The night's just begun for, like, most people at that point. But right. there you go. But, That's um, what I can never fucking get is people going, I we're going to turn up at the house at nine and then we'll go out to the bar for 11. Why? Mm-hmm. Why go out to the bar for 11? What do you mean? That's the perfect time. <laughs> exactly. That's when the band is starting. No, I want to be out there at half past seven and then I can be up the road for 11. <laughs> Oh, uh, so you're the reason that they go. You're the reason that they go out at eleven, so they miss people that need to have their nap in bedtime by that point. I don't go up. No shit. No shit. So what's the what's the last thing you th- you remember throwing up on, Anne? Oh, um, because you so, brought it up. Oh yeah. Uh, so the last time I remember throwing up was two thousand and twelve. Mm. Um. And that was on a cocktail. So when I say a cocktail, um, I had about 30 oh, drinks that night. Oh. Yeah, so I had um, like uh, shots of Cambo, uh, vodka, um, 
we basically got like a bottle collection, a bit like what Chrissy's got, but like big right. size one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we basically had a tray of them, played a, a game of snakes and ladders. So we had all of them. We had uh, four or five pints of cider, a um, Disarano, a Copperberg. Um, yeah, just just going hammer at it. Um, the aim was the aim was basically at about three o'clock. Like we can get a taxi, which costs 70, 70 quid, which is roughly about like at the time probably like one hundred and fifty dollars to get home. Right. Um, or we can like stay out until six o'clock, go to the casino, have some more drinks, and then get the first train back at like half six. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, between that three and six o'clock, that's when everything just went <laughs> went to pot. But this is again um, pretty much like Chrissy, like a good. Nine nine years ago, ten years ago, isn't it? Twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's been a while. Like since then. <gasps> no, ah, I'm lying. I'm lying. Oh, so, no, it was three weeks ago. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it is the same year, kinda. It's twenty twelve into twenty thirteen, and uh, this was just me and my partner. We went to New York for New Year's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the Ooh, um the the Planet Hollywood, and we saw Taylor Swift on the stage. Tea swizzle, um, uh, tea swizzle, <laughs> and yeah, um, that night I drank three bottles of champagne to myself, nice. some, some, some uh, lagers, and um, yeah, I um, spilt a couple of champagnes on my partner's leg. Got home to the hotel and just spewed over the side of the bread. So, um, oh. sorry, Holiday Inn near Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they accept your apology at this point. Yeah, they, they forgot about it. The staff's long gone, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. With the way shit is over here, probably not. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last thing I threw up on was probably 2000. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm responsible individual dad and all that shit. My buddy, uh, my buddy Braino, he's my best friend from, like, all day. Like, that dude, like, he's just, like, I can't explain how, how that dude is, like, family to me. So we used to like split a bottle of tequila on the weekends. He'd go get a bottle of tequila and we'd like go gaming and play video games and then chill at his house and then just like drink tequila, right? No big fanfare, no party. Just we're just sitting there drinking tequila, watching stupid shit. Infomercials, bad horror movies. Sometimes we were doing RPGs, we go back to his place and just chill. Well, <clears throat> this particular time, his our female friend, who is now his wife, called me up the night we were supposed to hang out on uh, AIM Instant Messenger. She was like, hey, um, uh, are you and Braino getting together tonight? I was like, yeah, we're probably just going to go hang out at his house and drink tequila and bullshit. And she's like, well, do you mind if I hang out? I was like, I don't know. You got to ask Brian. She's like, well, I don't want to call him. I'm like, well, then you're not hanging out. <clears throat> so... So after some back and forth, I was like, just fucking nut up and call him. I'm sure it's fine. And she's like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, just fucking nut up and call him. So she finally calls him. I get a message from Braino goes, hey, is it cool if Nikki comes by? I was like, yeah, sure. I'm totally (laughs) down with that. Right. So we all get out to Brian's house and uh, his parents are gone because they're they're dope as shit. I love those people. Um, and they just, they took off. They were out on one of their whatever. And, uh, we just started drinking. Huh? 
What? Oh, no. They, I think they were out at the movies or some shit. His parents are the shit. They were like, I would never. His parents were like, mm, like they were so nice. They still are. Yeah. They're still around. But yeah, I mean, um, uh, like I call his mom, mom. Like that'll tell you. Like seriously. So we're just drinking. And I, I fucked up. Right, we get about halfway through the night. Nikki and Brian are chilling. We're all chilling. I'm like, man, I'm fucking hungry. I haven't ate nothing. And Brian's like, oh, well, we've been drinking tequila. What do you want? I was like, well, I'm, you know, I don't got any. I ain't got a whole lot of money, so I don't want to order anything. I'll just go rummage around in the the kitchen, right? So I end up making the biggest mistake of my life drinking tequila. I snatched a pear. I proceeded to destroy this pair, then went right back to drinking tequila. Brian, about a half hour later, hour later, starts going, I don't feel so well. I'm like, man, what, what's, what, what's wrong with you? He goes, I don't know. He stumbles out the back door of the house, goes out to the tree in the backyard, and hurls all over the tree. And Nikki and I are just roasting him at this point, just... Oh, you lightweight pussy. You got to be, it's only tequila, blah, 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 blah. Right? About 20 minutes later, I'm I'm in the middle of just ripping him. And all of a sudden, halfway through something, I'm like, ah, caught it, right? <laughs> caught it in here. Blah. Run to the same tree. Same pile. Blah. All over. Come back. Lay on the fucking picnic table and be like, I don't feel so good. And Nikki is sitting there laughing at me and Brian because Brian's on the little, like, seating bench. I'm on the top of the picnic table. We're both lying there going, I don't feel so well. After that, I don't drink tequila. <laughs> I mean, I don't drink tequila. Oh, uh, Carmen had a way on that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was definitely a karma kind of, like, oh, so you think it's funny? Yeah. Exactly. The universe was... Universe was having my ass on that one, but yeah. Aside from like tequila, I haven't. I'm aside from that one incident, I've never really thrown up. But like, I don't drink a lot because I I grew up I grew up in bars. My mom was a single mom off and on for a long time, and her predominant form of income was bartending. Like she was the best bartender in in the city I grew up in. Like she was literally like. You think, like, free agents in sports are heavily recruited? Like, when my mom said she was switching bars, like, our phone would literally ring from owners of bars being like, yo, Spike, you want to come work for me? I'll give you this, 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 this. And my mom would literally, like, turn down half a dozen offers and then go work at a bar for a couple of years and then go to the next one. So I spent a lot of time growing up in bars. Like, we would be at the end of the bar doing homework and, like, she'd throw pizza and wings at us or fries or pub burgers and we knew all the regulars so like i saw what like hardcore drinking would do so like Mm -hmm. it it never was a thing for me like i every once in a while like when i became a legal drinking age i would do i would do shots with my friends and then i would pace it with soda so i never really i never really got like hammered hammered um until until i went to gen con oh gen con 2000 that was that was Ooh, for the, I, do you do you guys know what you guys heard of Gen Con, right? No. Okay. Gen Con. <laughs> I think is the, I remember the conversation, but yeah, a little like, bit. Sure. So Gen Con is the big uh, convention for like tabletop RPGs and like card games and stuff. It's a huge event. It used to be held in Milwaukee until they moved it to Indianapolis. Well, in 2000, we went to Gen Con, 
And I spent more at the bar than I spent on food, hotel, and shopping. Respectable. So I, yeah. I, I, oh, dude, that, that was. Oof. I got so ripped that one. I got so ripped that year. I pissed on the side of the federal building without knowing about it. <laughs> but they did though. <laughs> uh, the security guard almost caught me. I was running down, running down the alley, trying to zip my dick back into my pants. So yeah, that was fun. But, yeah, why, why is it? What? Why is it? Like when we get drunk, the the PP just flies everywhere. It goes. It comes out just, like so often. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, the, it's, the worst thing is is like once you like open the floodgates. Yeah, it is as if like like I can be sitting drinking for a good solid six hours and no have to pee once, and then I'll go right. I'm gonna quickly go and pee, and then for like the next hour, it's like every three or four minutes, you're like, oh fuck, I'll have to go and pee. But, Breaking the seal. Yeah, like it just that's the one thing that just always confused me because it's one of the reasons why, like, obviously, when I drink, I stick to like whiskey or beers or stuff like that because I don't drink clear spirits because clear spirits makes me blackout functional drunk <laughs> as opposed to timey, like, to the point where I, I spoke about the story when I was in the Czech Republic and uh-huh. got vodka drunk or, or not, it was this wee bottle here. This is a plum liqueur. Yep. That these groups of guys. It was when I lived. I went to Holland and I used to work with a superbike team. And one of the races was in the Czech Republic. This like slapdash, very very Eastern European little little fucking village where like you could get your shin, your toothbrush and your post done on the one little building kind of thing. And these people make this plum liqueur. And it was just one fucking barbecue that was really, really good. And then this shit here, I think I must have had about 11 or 12 shots here. (laughs) And I felt fucking perfectly fine it's one of the drinks where you're perfectly fine even being outside but i felt bad for the guy that was pulling it because the czech republic have this sort of tradition where if they offer you a drink they take a drink with you oh so the guy that's pouring the drink he can go to 10 different people and go oh here's a drink but he has to take a drink for everyone so you're having one he's having 10 as he goes round. so the guy that's offering the drinks usually changes every hour because they all just pass out as they go along the line kind of thing. <laughs> but this stuff, I had about 10 or 11 shots. I was feeling fucking smooth as fuck. You felt confident. You got the effects, like those sort of effects of drunkenness where you're confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the greatest fucking singer. Look at me dancing and all that. Right. But you don't feel <clears throat> before doing drunk until you hands. have another <clears throat> drink. And it was fucking carling beer. Oh no! In the world, and I had half a can, and then do not remember the rest of the night. But I was functional. We went into Prague. I spent an evening with the Czech mafia. Tried to get several people killed, but I don't remember <laughs> shit. And it was that was the moment where I went. I cannot drink clear spirits because this has happened more than once. And that was that yeah, was how many beers do you have? 
Mm. How many how many vendettas do you have? Like again, the the Czech mafia to kill people. What says is it was just people like we were like apparently we were in a bar in the middle of Prague, right? It was like above a strip club, I'm sure. And apparently it was like somebody was walking by, and I was just turning running, going make them sleep with the fishes and shit like that. Like just because he walked by me. Like, I, I just turned into this absolute horrible fucking person that was just like, that guy's got hair, fuck him. Like, but, but I, I, I kind of remember shit. All, I, all that happened was the next day, kind of, run about, about 11, 12 o'clock, the rider who I was working for was like, ah, do you have a good night? I was like, ah, I, th- I think so. Like, I must, I, I couldn't have been that late after, because they had all left at like 11 o'clock. I was like, ah, I mean, I don't think I was that late in after yous. Like, ah, you've been here 20 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they brought you back 20 minutes ago. You said fuck off to me, put you in your bed, and then you woke up. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I've never hung with the tech mafia. Well, I mean, the good thing is, is I've got that in my back pocket now. Like, for the entire rest of that weekend, I was called Fishies. And every time I've spoke to anybody, that is now my nickname is just Fishies. Right. So, like, I got something to it. The Czech Mafia like me. Apparently. <laughs> that's always a win. But uh, for then, uh, that's like, like vodka and all that kind of stuff. I've just went, I, I just can't drink that because it's just no safe. Like... <laughs> Me personally, I just, I will end up doing fucking stupid shit. What, what about you, Anthony? Any brushes of organized crime on a bender? Oh. No. <laughs> Thankfully, no. No, but like that Taylor Swift night, there was uh, the US military involved. Oh, wow. What happened? I climbed on a tank. Because why not? <laughs> That's a no no, Anth. Yeah, uh, I was just drinking with him. No, I climbed on top of a tank because obviously drunk. It's just turned New Year, and then mm-hmm. this like this cop in this blue uniform just goes like, "Get the fuck down!" <laughs> Get off like, the tank. I was like, "What? What? There's, there's there's other people on top of these things. I just climbed the nearest one, and they're like, now get the fuck down.' <laughs> like, okay." Oh my god! Yeah, they got dudes climbing on tanks. Got dudes trying to get people to sleep with the fishes here and pissing on the federal building. Like, how am I the most responsible one of the three of us? That ain't right. You're American, uh, probably. Yeah, but, you, ju- you start drinking later. Like, what were we eleven? Oh, not to be yeah. fair, you were eight. So. Yeah, seven eight is my first drink, but I, I never like drank drink. But uh, it's funny, Chris. You mentioned people doing shots down the line. The when I went to Gen Con consecutive years, we went back to the same bar and I knew oh. the bartenders. So we had one night we went out. It was a bunch of us, all of us, like nine of us, Nikki, Brian, the whole crew. Nikki was 19 and we got her in to the bar because there was this line out the, out the bar, right? We were going to the bar and it was, it was, there was a line out the bar and I was, I was sort of in front of the group. I was like, hold up. Don't worry about it. I'll get us in, right? So I walked past the line up to the bar, and I, I kind of got the bartender's attention. I think his name was John. I think it was John and Mike. Uh, we had been we paid these guys rent in tips, 
I was like, yo, John, what's the deal? He's like, oh, it's a busy night, Doc. Or Doc's, what do you want? Well, like, what can I do for you? I was like, how long is the wait? He goes, for you? No, wait. Just come right in. Line next to us was like, what the fuck? So uh, John goes, well, what do you need? I said, I need about nine shots and four or five mixed drinks. He goes, okay, got you. I looked over at the, and it was this nice, like, club. Like, it had plush seating, had some nice, like, house music playing. Really fucking nice place. And uh, the the bartender starts taking my order, and the guy standing next to me goes, what are you doing? Bartender literally looks at him and goes, hold on a second. This guy paid mine and his rent this, this, this weekend. You can wait. We'll get you. Fine. I was like, you don't need to do that. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. I look over in the corner. I'm like, oh, we're over in the corner. He goes, yeah, that's where you guys hang out. We got it all marked off. I said, well, how come the pool tables are covered up? He goes, oh, we were saving them for you. The other guys in line were like, who the fuck are these guys? So all of us roll in. We get drinks rolling to the table or the tables. But every time I'd go up to get drinks for the group, I would have to do shots with the bartenders. And we were doing what was called surfers on acid. And what that is, is a concoction of Jägermeister, Chambord, uh, Malibu rum, and pineapple juice. It looks like oh. blood. It tastes like shit. Sounds it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was. But I swear to God, that night I, I must have had 20 shots because every shot I did with the crew. I did a shot with the bartender, so I was like, like your check guy. I was doing double shots the whole night. <laughs> Oy, I woke up, I woke up, falling out of the closet. I was sleeping in a hotel, sleeping on my neck. So oh. I was laying in the closet in the hotel, and somehow I had worked my way up the wall, and I was sleeping kind of on an angle on my neck. And Nikki threw open the closet. I don't remember if she had a top on that day or not. And I sort of like fell out of the closet and my head was like between her legs looking up at Nikki like, I, I've woken up the worst sights. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know what, I know what swapping, or not swapping, but I know oh. what double shotting is. That shit's fucking insane. Yeah. But anyway, drunken revelry aside... Let's get into some meaningful conversation with our guest, Anthony Smith-Wells, a.k.a. Guy Magum. First question, Anthony, if you don't mind answering it. Why the, yep. name, why the name switch? Because I know uh, you when you were Anthony Smith-Wells, and now you're Guy Magum on like, everything. Like, wh- yeah. When yeah. did that happen, and what's up with that? Oh, um, so basically, if you Googled my old handles... Um, Somebody stalked me to the point of they, they basically knew my home address, every, everything about my life. So I was like, yeah, let's rebrand. And I was like, okay, what, what should I rebrand to? Well, one, I'm gay. And two, I'm from Sunland. And everybody from Sunland is known as a Mackham. Oh, so nice. It was like, I'm that and I'm that. They're the two like normal things I, I introduce myself as as. So there you go. I'm a gay Mackham. There you go. It's anybody from the Northeast or... Most parts of the UK will know what that means instantly. Um, explaining that across across <laughs> to uh, across Twitch is um, it, it doesn't translate very well because I don't know if you know much about UK culture, but like oh, every 
every town and city has their own individual nickname for what they are. Yep. So, like, from I'll just do a couple of examples. So, um, if you're from Newcastle, you're Geordie. If you're from Sunderland, you're a Macam. If you're from Middlesbrough, you're a Smog. And if you're from Hartlepool, you're a Monkey Hanger. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> um, well then, yeah. Uh, basically, every town or city has its own nickname. A bit like um, how your sports teams work, right? It's a bit right. like you've got the yeah. Dolphins. Everybody from Miami. Everybody from. Um, Chicago's the, the the Bulls, and you're like, ah, that that that's how it works. You're like, you normally pick the local team, but more right, it's yeah. more how the culture or what the city was founded on. So, Macam as a as a word is um, because we used to make boat ships, uh, so we used to mack them. That's the way we used to say them. We used to make them. We used to mack them, and the George used to tack them. They used to take them. Right. <laughs> so we, we we were Macams. They, ta- they they were Tackums, but they, they didn't like Tackums, so they, they went to Geordie instead. <laughs> nice. It makes That's a cool. lot more sense now. Like, I was the too sure where that came from as well, but I do understand that, like, if you're for Glasgow, you're a Ouija. If you're for Fife, you're a Chukter. If you're for Edinburgh, you're a cunt. So it's like, <laughs> you know, like, I can understand, like, that puts on a level with me now that that actually makes a lot more fucking sense. Because I always just, I was like, ah, some, is it like a surname? Is it like a, a nickname for school? But it actually makes that so much wisdom and mind-blowing. And, and that's why it's red and white as well, because our local area is loves the red and white donage. Yeah. Um, English, Sunderland, yeah, just... It makes makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. We have we have we have similar stuff, like you said. We a lot of our people over here identify with their sports teams, but we also have like regional nicknames. Like my family comes from Upper Michigan, so like everybody up there is a Uber. A and what? A Uber. A Uber. Yeah, a Uber. Basically, isn't that that ball with the big nose? Or is that Hubert? <laughs> That's Hubert. That's Hubert, yeah. actually. But, um, yeah, you're called the Uppers because it's it's basically you smash Upper Peninsula together, so you're an Upper Peninsula person. They just call you a Uper. And there's a bunch of like bad jokes about being fucking a drunken idiot, being a Uper, or, like sleeping with deer. Because literally in Upper Michigan, there's three things to do. Literally, hunt, drink, and fuck. That's it. That's it. That's all you're doing. That sounds like a good life. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. When I was working as a DJ up there, when I lived up there as a DJ, I, I love hunting season because I didn't hunt, but I, I hunted the ladies that came in the bar on Widow's Weekend. <laughs> Widow's Weekend. Yeah, that's what they called it. Widow's Weekend. It was the first weekend of hunting season. Bar DJs and bartenders would end up getting all the fun and extra tips because these women, their men, went and sat in a shack with other dudes. And they were needy, so we provided a service. Anonymized, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's you know. So there's Uppers, there's Southerners, there's Florida man, there's New Yorkers, uh, there's you know, there's like the hippies and yuppies from California. You got your Pacific Northwestern people like me who are like we wear fucking wet dry sandals and cargo shorts and drink kombucha so i i get them i get the macam I, I i definitely get it like we have similar stuff so yeah but yeah. um you mentioned that you were gay and i i we kind of wanted yeah. to get your perspective on on some stuff because sure uh we're not chris and i are not that 
So, and you're, you're, you're a streamer. So one of the things we wanted yeah. to talk about was LBGTQA plus representation and mm-hmm. what it's like being a, a streamer of that orientation. Because in my household, um, I, I make a joke all the time. I'm the only straight guy in my household. Cause like my girlfriend's mm-hmm. by all my kids are different orientated. So, but yet on stream, like when I play dating Sims, whatever piques my fancy, I'll, I'll, I'll romance it. Right. I have no problem. Like <laughs> I played boyfriend dungeon and loved the shit out of it. Like I was dating dudes left yeah. and right. I was like, let's fucking go. Right. But in real life, I'm, was I'm all, justice? I'm all, it, that's the only thing in the game. Minus the one chicken that romanced her too. So fuck off. Chris. Yeah. Why was it the ears in the books? And (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, I'm curious. I'm curious to know, like, if your if your perspective or your experience as as a streamer uh, is different than, say, like mine or Chris's because of your orientation. Um, I to be fair, I think it would be, but I think it would be different regardless of the streamer. Not every every single streamer has their own individual journey. I think I think that. That's the same across the board. Um, I think I'm exposed to a couple of extra things that you might never really come across unless you um, you make that easily identifiable to to somebody who might want to um, attack that. But the the, the main the main reason I, I chose to like identify that straight off the bat is I don't know if you can tell, but uh, I'm relatively straight passing and. 100%. When I when I was on Smith Wells uh, and um, people were coming in and they were being a little bit sexist, uh, a bit forward about like what they wanted to do with women and, and expecting me to agree with that, and I was like, "What? That's so uncomfortable!" Like, yeah. you, I'm a stranger to you. Why are you telling me this? Also, I wanted to make it abundantly clear that the word "gay" is not that. Um, taboo it's it's there for me and therefore my audience to um use as a um a community guider um Mm -hmm. if you if you're looking for somebody who's gear on twitch it's absolutely horrible to do so until a couple of changes over the last two or three months like initially when i did that change there was no real quick way to find it unless you were searching for the words themselves so right. the person had to either have that in their bio or they had to um, have their name with it. And I thought, yeah, put a f- first and foremost in front of everybody's eyes and then that should um, that should help. I think that's like, are you froze, Chris? Your camera's froze again, your mate. Your camera's froze again. But continue your point, Chris. We'll work on your camera in a minute. Yeah, well, like, that was one thing that's always, I wouldn't say, like, confused as the the, the right word. Like, Mm. for me, it's, like, it's that taboo that was always sort of instained, like, growing up. um, Like, people would use the term gay as an insult to other people. Like They still do. Yeah, well, that's it. It's, like, like... I've noticed it a lot. Like, see, looking back when I was like growing up and all that kind of stuff, I've no, I can remember people like if you fell off your bike and you were like greeting or something like that, people was like, "Oh, fucking, oh, you're being a wee gay and all that kind of stuff." And it was like, it wasn't until, like, 
it's, it was my own ignorance and uh, mm. well they aren't they aren't meaning it to kind of attack because if, if I'm because I'm not gay so they can't be attacking people mm. that are gay but it wasn't until I was older and kind of had a wee bit more thought process going on where it was a that kind of smack in the face of fuck that was and me not saying it and was like enabling that yeah and it was it was like it wasn't until i started doing a wee bit more like my own research and actually starting to look up these things where it's like well hold on because we talked about something similar like two episodes ago when we were talking about up in scotland or in glasgow anyway when i was growing up we used to turn around and call people like see somebody that was like disgusting or just grotty like picking their nose and that we would say oh you're black bastard Mm -hmm. that was it wasn't yeah that was what it was stymied but it wasn't until kind of later on when it it kind of hit was that for us in the context that we were using it that was our argument is like oh we weren't using it in that content so it must be fine and then it starts getting to the point where you're like well that isn't for me to determine it isn't mm. on me to determine what words mean certain things. It doesn't matter about the context and that. And it kind of hit, and growing up in that kind of situation oh. where hearing the words and people using the words, that for them it was they supposed to be feeling, but you're like, well, that was the kind of the harsh reality, was the ignorance that came from it. And yeah, so uh, I'll jump. I'll jump back in there, mate. I think what you're you're building on is essentially like the area of what people use to insult people, and I think <clears throat> as long as we keep taking it as an insult, like using the or like literally using the word as an insult, um, it will still be received as an insult. So that's why that's why I'm I'm more like let's just. Just say it. But I, my name's that because I am. Um, I'm not trying to hide who I am to anybody anymore. Like, what's the point? Um, and when I do meet new streamers, sometimes I'm just going, sometimes I, they blatantly just go, right, I'm not saying the first part of your name. And then that for me Why? is because <laughs> they're scared of the word. They are absolutely scared of the word. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're at the point of where they've gone past trying to insult people, but they've recognized that that is an insult. Mm. Um, and whenever they see it and they're like, if they go, oh, gear, fuck off, they could have that clipped and then it used against them. So right. I get why they wouldn't see it like outright. If they get to know, know me and know my new um, username, they, they just start to stick with the Mackham side of it, mm. which is still f- absolutely fine. That's that's the whole point of it. But um, I, want it, I want it to be abundantly clear that I'm comfortable with people saying the full, the full right. part of it. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it all it all derives. And in terms of like childish insults, the two that that bring to my mind is like, you've dropped your gear card. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. had, you've dropped your gear card, and you've got gum on the back of your shoe. I'm just going to do a nice visual demonstration. So you go like that, and go. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can remember I, that quite think... a lot as well. And it's like that's 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 again a side of gear culture that's been portrayed as. Negative, yeah. It's, it, the majority of gear in media, I'd say as a whole, not not only just stream, but like TV, cinema, um, music, is campness and fabulous, ge- <clears throat> absolutely fabulous. Uh, mm. Queer eye for the street, like that kind of thing. The main popular gear representatives 
have all been more f- feminine because that's easier to sell. Right. So I think that's that's why me doing this as a more straight acting widens that spectrum of people's perceptions of what a gay person should or what, what a gay person or stereotype they've got built in the head so I can smash that down. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's interesting because Zim makes a comment about upbringing, and Chris talked about the way he was upbringing. Back in the day when I was growing up, we used to say shit was gay all the time. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, oh, that's gay, right? Mm-hmm. But that it it stemmed from the fact that it was it was stupid or it was just not cool, right? Which is like, mm-hmm. oh, that's gay or whatever. Or you're gay or whatever. Um, but. I never personally looked at anybody and said, well, Chris is gone again. I never looked at somebody and said, oh, well, you're gay, so you're a horrible person. I just feel like you're just, it's gay. You're being gay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, we, we've talked about it a couple weeks ago. Chris mentioned it a couple weeks ago when we were talking about um, words uh, like the black bastard and the, N, the N-word. I grew up in very socially socioeconomically depressed neighborhoods, primarily Latino, primarily black. So the <laughs> N-word with the A on the end was part of my verbiage. I grew up in, okay. in that I grew up in that area. I had friends who were African American. I had friends who were Latino. So they they embraced me in their culture. Like I I knew their grandmas. Like they're like I ate collard greens and cornbread. Like so using the using the N-word with the A was a sign of affection to my friends and I. Only as I got older did I not realize that my friends invited me into the culture, but yet I'm not part of that culture, so I don't need to use that word. Mm-hmm. So as I became more exposed to um, gay people and people of other orientations, I adapted my language to fit because for me, language is about context, not necessarily the words themselves. George Carlin okay. had a George Carlin had a bit where he would say every racial slur he knew. And then he would follow it up with, why are you mad? It's just words. All I said was the words. So for mm-hmm. me, words, words out of context are, are something that I try to, um, I try to make clear to my kids. Like words themselves aren't inherently evil. It's the context and the use of the word that makes it evil or good. Hundred percent, and I think the idea of using gay um, racial slurs, um, even religious slurs, um, as a insult, completely bastardizes the the meaning behind it. And yeah. they they portray like when they are using that kind of language, um, it 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 deforms the word, and it, it's because that. It's not just one person doing that. It's societal across the board that's done that. Uh, that's how it's impacted. Like if one per, if I all of this just suddenly just go to Chris, you, um, you Scottish person, like you, you fucking Scottish person, with yeah. the inflection of Scottish being bad, and then the rest of the English population, the Welsh, the the, the Europeans, then the rest of the world, Scottish then becomes an insult, and yeah. it, there's nothing wrong about that. Yeah. Um, that social identifier. That that's essentially what it is, right? Like when we're yeah. calling somebody a certain name, it's a social identifier that we've got a stereotype that we want to negatively slay onto somebody else. And I think what I'm trying to do is again 
change it so that social norm isn't just a negative insult. I want to one portray myself as me on stream, mm. um, and and two uh, take away the the hate behind the gay slur. But Twitch isn't about that at the moment. Um, yeah. or wasn't wasn't about that when I switched across away from Mixer to it. Um, and yeah, you get you get attacked. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's how you deal with that at the at the end of the day and um what kind of um approach you take to it because words can get people to the point of um no return yep. in themselves and uh the the LGBTQ plus community in the UK has the second highest uh, suicide rate behind um men. Yes. Just, just like men, men. So obviously, there's some LGBTQ plus men in there, but the next yeah. big social identifier of suicide rate across the UK is the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. and I think that is quite an alarming figure because all it all it is is social acceptance and um, loneliness. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a, it's an inter- it's an interesting thought that um, twenty twenty thirty years ago. Everybody was thought of as one orientation, or you had your everybody in the family had that one uncle that you're like, oh, you know, Uncle George is Uncle George, right? It wasn't yeah. out like nowadays things are out. And on the one hand, I'm super, I'm super happy that things are out in the open and we are getting representation across media. You, uh, you and mentioned representation of of trying to widen the spectrum because the only like gay characters that I know or have seen on the regular were like the fabulous characters, right? They're all like, I'm mm-hmm. gay and I'm here, right? Or they were the yeah. gay best friend. Yeah. But, well, Will and Grace is a good example of that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Will and Grace or like um, RuPaul as, as a crossdresser. I'm not exactly sure if he is gay or not, but. No, like, Ru, Ru, Ru is gay. Okay, I was, I, my girlfriend would know I don't. She watches Drag Race all the time, and I'm like, cool, whatever. I'll watch it. I don't get invested in it. But, like, a lot of the representation that I've seen and my kids have seen is just, like, the super, like, fabulous representation, right? So mm-hmm. when you talked about I just want to widen the spectrum, I think that's, a, I think that's great because we do need, I think, uh, across the board in media, whether it's comic books or or movies or TV or, or streamers or whatever, to have a, a spectrum of representation, not only racial representation, but orientation representation. So you to pre- like you said to be more straight presenting or or whatever takes away because for me like <clears throat> knowing knowing somebody's gay, I'm I'm fine with, but I have that they're fabulous because that's what i saw seeing you and your partner i'd be like my initial from the way i grew up would be like how are you gay you're like a dude right that would mm. be my my non-educated or non-exposed self be like but you're like a regular dude how are you gay so having okay. you widen that perspective or why and and bringing that representation i feel it is really uh, a good thing because we don't see a lot of like the regular guy gay right or the regular girl gay we just see the yeah. amped up or or the turned up versions of it Am I, yeah, yeah you know what i'm talking about I, I i get i get what you mean but that also stems from um basically the um 
I don't I don't know how to put it in in in, in short words, but it's it's like the exhibitionism of the okay. LGBT community. It's like you're putting a gay character in a on a TV show, like they would be a um, a giraffe at a zoo. Like you're putting them on show for that. Um, so mm-hmm. that those characters, those fabulous characters, are really entertaining to watch because that's mm-hmm. naturally they're 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 an outgoing, um, extroverted person. Um, they're really entertaining. They they can hold conversations really well. But that's not the only side of the community and mm-hmm. there's absolutely amazing people who are not overtly um cam- and one of my personal um favorite gay people um took until his mid 50s to come out and that was mm-hmm. Stephen Fry oh nice Stephen, Stephen, so Stephen Fry is not overtly camp but yeah. he was he was he was massively funny um, he's very intelligent, well known across the UK in in, um, in media. Um, in uh, he was in Blackadder in the eighties and nineties. It, it's I love like, he, yeah. And him coming out was probably one of the biggest things for the community that there has been um, because one, it, it, it completely as a social norm, it goes oh, who else? Uh, what, what what? Who else could be? having these struggles who could be having these kind of um emotional fights with themselves because they can't be themselves to to the public um yeah so that that's a, a big cultural shift and i think the more people that we have in uh, media and representation that are just just happen to be gay um the better right what yeah. about you what are you thinking no like that like it's it's hard to kind of disagree with any of that because it's, it's like you said, it's it was it's almost as if the media, like it's it's the same way like the, on the the racial side is that they always it's it's as if they try and push this identity that like sometimes I'll watch TV programs and that and it's almost as if they're using it as a look at us look how. Look how amazing we are that we are giving uh, <laughs> people of the LGBT community like this platform. Look how fantastic! It's almost as if it's a show for these media companies to use it. When like me growing up, right? Even though these terms were used around me, and it was never really thing. Me, so, uh, my next door neighbours, they were a gay couple. Me growing up, I used to go next door with them and we would like play with our dog and that. They used to take me, this is going to sound quite weird, no, <laughs> in that way, but we used to go up to a graveyard with the dog to let their dog run about. And it got to the point where uh, one of them, he owned like a, it was like a car park store. So he had a van. And he used to take like five or six years, like all my friends, in the back of the van up to this graveyard and we'd go and play like hide and seek and chases and all that kind of stuff. And all the way through that childhood, like it sounds crazy in my mind now, but I just always assumed it was just two best pals being roommates that had a house together and that was it. It wasn't until later on when... Like they were talking about like getting married and stuff like that, where it was a kind of thing. And I can all I can always remember because my mom always brought up this conversation where it was my gran said to my mom that she, that she shouldn't let us go around with them because right. they're gay and like they might 
like turn them and it was that kind of way even my mum was like look that's not really how it works like that's, that's not how any of this works and it was like the fact that growing up that my attention was not on that they were gay like that was like I, it really does they bother me like if you're a good person or a bad person that's where I'll want you in my life kind of thing and yep. it was like again like I, I said this to, to my mum as well. I think what the problem is is a lot of people have these kind of things with older people, and it's like, oh, it's just a generation. You're like, oh, well, it doesn't make it right. Like, it's still wrong. And like you were saying, uh, it was always nobody wanted to talk about that they were gay when they were. And like you said, they weren't overtly camp. It wasn't. It was just like as it was as if it was just two guys living together. Mm. It was days if they were like. I think the words gallivanting. I think the words gallivanting. Yeah, yeah, they weren't going about gallivanting. They're in the 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 tune kind of. I'm gay. Look at me, kind of thing. And I think that was where it kind of like first touched me in that. That isn't the ideology of someone that's gay. It's not the fabulous and like camp and all that. It's like this. That's where it started touching on me of, well, how many other people, like, even in my friends, how many mm. of my friends could be gay that are struggling with that aspect of their life? And it actually turned out that two of my best friends that I grew up through school and that, when they turned 16, came out to me and my other friends and that and said, by the way, we're gay. Well, no, as a couple, but they just, they, 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 came out at this kind of similar times and it was like mm-hmm. that's where it started finally like I had no idea that that was their struggles and I think that's where it started ticking in my brain of fuck so yeah. many people they've been around that use those terms and you wouldn't have even thought and that's where I sometimes wonder like how much more of a struggle must have it been for people that were gay mm-hmm. but weren't visually gay as society deems as mm-hmm. the, the, the whole point of being gay for some crazy reason. And uh, that's where it kind of hurts me is like you start thinking, could I have done more? Could I have thinking? Because when I was growing up, it didn't seem that I, it was much. It was just banter. And... That's where I struggle now with the the whole kind of topic is what can I say that is okay and what would I say and it be bad? And I think that's where a lot of people sit on it is like what can we say that won't be taken as an offence? Yeah. Um, so I, it, it, I think culturally, I think we are start, starting to just change because of because of these things, these things are, are yep. changing people's lives massively, and the cultural impact of um, communities, the, the the gathering of communities, is so much easier, better now. And I think it also polarizes to the other way. If you can't find your community, if you can't find your your people, you're isolated. You're, you're isolated, and you feel attacked pretty much every day. And that that's not something that can be changed overnight um <laughs> i think if we're if we're being brutal it, it's all around that like that secondary school kind of era where all of the 
overt anger and um, development and, and mental problems start to, to, to derive because people get physically assaulted at school yep. because of who they are. They, they, they get bullied mentally, like just verbally or physically. Um, they, they get socially isolated if they are nerdy, if they'd like a certain cartoon, if they don't play a certain video game, if they like a certain artist, basically the, the secondary school, I think that kind of mentality is prevalent quite a lot in later adulthood. I think once you get out of that era, you've got two types of people. You've got people who are open and willing to learn about their themselves, learn about other people and have an open mind. And you've got people who just like to fit everything into boxes, mm. which I've just technically done, <laughs> done that. I mean, but you're, you're doing it. You're, you do it. You did it in a way as sort of educating it. So it's, it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's more like, one, how do you have a conversation and how do you find out how open somebody is to that level of um, discoverability to mm. to their fellow human? Um, that's that's why I, I think m- me and my community that I'm trying to build, if you're gay, by whatever your religion is, like whatever your political stance is, as long as you're honest and who you are and you're not hating on other people, you're accepted in my community. Um nice. Um, if you start like saying I hate this kind of person, I don't like that kind of person, I'll, I'll start to distance myself from oh, you. I hate it's, Chris. It's just as that. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's an individual. That's not a, <laughs> a stereotype, a stereotype or a thing that you're doing. You well, can hear individuals. Actually, like, he hates all Chrissies. But yeah, you see what I mean. You made an interesting comment uh, a little bit ago that I want to I want to swing back around. You said this something about discoverability on Twitch. You you put yeah. your name in there to help with the discoverability of people in your community. Because but before yeah. before some things came about, some changes that were made to Twitch, you said it was like a, you couldn't find nobody unless they had it in a bio or whatever. Like, can you expand on that real quick? Yeah. Um. So discoverability on Twitch is is no real. Um, masterpiece of a platform right. the discoverability is essentially the tags mm. and um keywords so if you if you put in like um what apostrophes put in apostrophes mm. you put a key term in you'll find either an individual or a bio that contains that phrase it's um it's down to how amazon um acquired twitch when it was just in tv so okay. it was just just in tv and it was built on um old well, relatively old now architecture. So the search terms are not as dynamic as what we have in Google, YouTube, um, that those kind of platforms, because the um, the algorithm in the background for those search terms is relatively primitive in, in technology speech. So the only way to find somebody is using those asterisks and finding them if they've put the word gay, if they put LGBTQ+, if they've put LGBTQIA+, whatever your... Um, whatever you're trying to find like in a community on Twitch. So if you're on Twitch, you're looking for a gaming community 99.5% of the time. Um, So you one, they've got that interest in games, but also that they know that that person is not going to instantly hate on potentially a, the, the the non taboo that should be um, being a person. Um, That's why you would use that. And that's why, 
um, prior to September, there was a um, a lot of if if you had one of those hit raids, you were in a smaller, you relatively had a smaller number of followers. Um, you had one of those identifiers in your channel, um, and um, basically people who hated that community. Um, and can I say, can I, am I allowed to say it? The N word with, yeah. with an I, <laughs> the um, the the Nazi community mm-hmm. that somehow still exists. Fuck those um, guys. Yeah, um, they they basically try to download a Excel spreadsheet of the uh, database that is still freely available um, from Twitch. I don't know if you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can download all user uh, all. Uh, access user data, put those search terms into your Excel spreadsheet, put a filter in, and then bombard that, add that to your list, and send out DDoS attacks and um, bot follows and hate raids. And before the changes in September, one account could create up to 150 accounts linked to one email. So one person could send you 150 hate messages in the space of 10 seconds. And if you're getting that much verbiage towards what you see as 150 different people just saying, go fuck yourself, you should die, all of these kind of horrible messages um, just because you're gay, then, yeah, that's what was happening. So Twitch have done a couple of things since the boycott on September 1st, which I did did participate in. So So did I. um, Yeah. Yeah, I was also, but... Um, so I, I, for that one day, I live streamed on YouTube and had a fantastic experience of it. So the fact that you can just choose your platform as you want is a massive, massive thing. And the fact that the small YouTube, uh, the small Twitch community managed to get between a seven and fourteen percent drop, depending on the time of day, on usage on the Twitch platform, <sighs> helped drive that um, need for the Twitch dev team to create features or better broadcast what features were available to that community. Because some of those features that we were requesting, that, that these small communities were requesting were available, they were just well hidden in the platform. Yeah. So it's, it's, sometimes it's about visibility and user training, um, but mm. sometimes it is literally um, safeguarding the community. So um, yeah, so, since September 1st, they've added... Um, tags which help it easier to find um, streamers but the, they don't um, record that in the metadata now, it's only when you go live and you know the tags underneath your yeah. stream yeah. that that's where that information is so you have to have that active live tag for somebody to find you and you have to be live at the time which makes discoverability a lot easier for those communities so it's not only for the LGBTQ um, IA community but it's also for um racial groups as well well i I find it i find it interesting you mentioned a couple things and i'm gonna let chris jump in but like one of the things i notice is especially like younger like streamers who haven't been streaming as long as like i have or like you have or whatever (laughs) they don't use tags like i always when i started streaming i immediately started using tags and one of the tags that i always use is the lgbtqa plus one because I, I live in a household of people who are not straight. So I want mm-hmm. people to know that in my stream, if you're other orientated, you're, you're welcome. As long as you're not yeah. a fucking dick bag, you're welcome. 
And if somebody's yeah. hating on you in my chat, they're getting banned 100%. No questions asked, right? Yeah. So one of the things that you said is Twitch made stuff more visible, like the tags, and because and the, it was well hidden. It is. And even now, like, I've seen a couple of younger streamers, and I've, I've, uh, I've talked to a couple of younger streamers, and they're like, well, what's a tag? I think, I think by, by bringing that stuff out and, like you said, user training is a great step. Um, but I'm not sure that it's, it's something that should, you should be able to tag your profile, I think. Like, okay. if, if you don't put it, if you don't put it in your bio that you're gay or other orientated or whatever, the tag system should go a little farther. It should be for when you're not live as well. And you should be able to tag like two or three things to your profile that on the Twitch website like you say, when you do the search bar, it'll pull it up anyway. So I think the tag should be for offline use as well. I think that will help discoverability for smaller communities, whether it's orientation, racial, or interest. And then the other yep. thing is um, hate raids. You mentioned hate raids, and Chris, Chris and I talked about it when we were talking about having you on. I, yep. I, I saw what they were. I saw on tw Twitter and in the media about them, but I... I haven't experienced a hate raid. I, I, I've never, yeah. I've never been through that. So if you can, could you kind of elaborate what that is for like the listener or the viewer who doesn't, who might not yeah, know what cool. a hate raid is? Yeah. So it's, it's essentially um, a small group of like a chat like this, a potentially a podcast, potentially a, a discord meeting, whatever it's for, it's, it's between like three and five people choosing accounts to attack um, and it's it is normally teenagers, but it's also Nazis and and stuff like that. Uh, and they just go to accounts. They just the the people just trying to fuck around, basically trying to troll people. Um, they go into people's chats and just send them a bomb bombardment of um, horrible messages, telling about their appearance, telling them about their sexuality, um, making death threats, telling them they know where they live, like basically things that if you said to somebody on the street. I, quite frankly, I would just I would just punch them in the face. Catch an um, ass. <laughs> it's, an, it's, it's ass whooping kind of um, communication to somebody that is essentially a stranger. Um, and it, don't get me wrong, it does happen just naturally in society in any ways. So you could have these kind of attacks and um, uh, people get mugged, people get robbed on the street every day by uh, people trying to steal phones on mopeds or um, the granny purse snatcher kind of thing. Like that happens. People, there is criminals everywhere. <laughs> and essentially it is a, a criminal element of hate speech towards you that they've decided to use on this platform. Mm -hmm. And the safeguarding tools for that um that traceability of that individual was just way too weak for what people um, expected. So it is anonymized here, uh, or was anonymized here. So there is now that education piece around adding verification steps to people who can interact with your platform, with your channel. So I've, I've, you can do phone and email. So they, they have to have verified their email address, which you can create an email address in five minutes to be fair, but you have mm -hmm. to verify it. it has, and that can be linked up, but, They've had to spend a couple of minutes dedicating their time to create that one account to then come interact with your channel. If that person's done that 150 times and they still want to attack you, they can, but they have to manually do that. 
um, and I would just manually block block each and every one of those. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was that just sea of just crap, and um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 much improved. Um, it doesn't mean it's completely gone from the platform, and I don't think it ever will. Mm-mm. But yeah, there's, um, fuck, there's fuckheads everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you, you can get that on YouTube, you can get that on Trovo, you can get that anywhere, but, um, yeah. Chris, you've been quiet for a while. You, why don't you jump in and share some thoughts? Well, one thing that I was wanting to touch on is the, the tag thing, because mm-hmm. that's that's one part that always kind of had me swaying, is that um, putting the LGBTQA plus into a tag, I've seen, like... Sim has it in his streams, Docs has it in his streams and stuff like that. And I was always aware that it was like bringing it like, it was like showing that this is a safe haven for anybody of these communities can come in. You're not going to get the hate. If somebody else comes in with that hate, we'll deal with them and that kind of stuff. But on mm-hmm. the other fence, like um, there's a well-known Scottish actor, comedian and streamer now, uh, called Limmy, and mm-hmm. he put a tweet, it must have been a good few months ago, and he was saying how he was now removing the LGBTQIA plus tag, because he was seeing it as because of the discoverability was so just shit from Twitch, he felt as if him having it in his uh, tags, it was taken away from those communities of gay streamers and 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 that and it was like what's what is the kind of what side of it is it is it is it one of those ones that it is a form of if everybody has it it's going to kind of saturate the discoverability of those communities or is it one of those ones that anybody that is is wanting to show support having it in is the way that it should be. So, um, yeah, so there is multiple tags now. And initially before the September, there, there was just that LGBTQIA tag. There was no way to like identify which part of the community is. But now they've got individual tags for each. Um, right. They've got lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, intersex, asexual, and plus. Well, they don't have a plus, but um, a each one of those... Binary yeah, so, so so they have those individual tags, so you can have the LGBTQIA if somebody's just looking for that that rainbow of community. Um, right. But if they're looking for somebody specifically in that community, um, there's the extra tag that you can use, and one of those extra tags is ally, um, and that's Ooh, what I've that all. That, um, the the plus for me has always been inclusive of everybody across the globe because that plus is allies it's pan it's um <laughs> yeah there's a lot of subsectors of the the the, the, the communities as well there's um yeah yeah i'm not, I'm not going to go into yeah. the, full, the, full, the full team rainbow but um yeah i i like to uh, rather than um, there's there's two tags that you can use as um let alphabet mafia <laughs> and there's um team rainbow i prefer team rainbow because it's just like everybody sees the team rainbow and knows it's LGBTQIA plus, so that's yeah. why I say that. Um, but yeah, um, 
use that ally tag if you're using that LGBTQIA tag. So then that person who is potentially gay or potentially lesbian and they, they want to see it, um, they can see both of those tags to, to work out what you are. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does, I don't think it detracts from the community. I think that LGBTQIA for me is essentially Team Rainbow or Alphabet Mafia. Cool. Right. Okay. That's that puts it in a better because it was it was just always I never ever thought that it was using it and not being like gay or, or trans or anything like Absolutely. that would kind of pull away from that discoverability as if like using it to try and get discoverability, even though like almost as if you're just hitching on that kind of car. But yeah. if they have yeah. kind of changed it, it's yeah, it, it was a hundred percent a change that was needed because it what it was perceived as that hightailing, that hijacking of a community by yeah. people who are not in that community. But if you add that extra ally tag, the people can see that one that that the team member community is available to to join that, and also it's um, yeah, just put ally on on your on your things now. Yeah. And I think that that is so such a simple change that can. Um, have a huge impact on on yeah, people I feeling comfortable using the platform. I didn't yeah. know the ally tag existed, so I'm going to start adding that to my streams as well. Because, like Zim and and Chris and I, we all, from what I know, we all have the LGBTQ plus tag on our streams because we we want to be inclusive. We 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 don't want to coattail like Chris said, but we also want to like send up like a bat signal and be like, hey, if you're different, you're welcome. So knowing that they have an ally tag is, is really dope now because now I want to add that to all my streams as well. Uh, can I just flag that comment, mate? It, it's not different. Yeah. <laughs> it's not different. <laughs> That's it, It's not different to be gay. It's just oh, who yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, my bad. Sorry. No, no, no. It's that's perfectly fine. That's like again, that's that societal that that culture that you've you've, yeah, you've yeah, learned yeah. in the past. But it, it's more. If you are like what you're saying there is essentially overall positive. It's right. I if you're in the uh, Team Rainbow community, I'm just going to start saying that because it's easier to say. Than right. yeah. If you're in the if you're in the Team Rainbow community, um, you're welcome here, and I think that essentially is what we all want. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I think it also sets aside um, that level of do you know that the two boxes I said when you when you leave high school or you leave mm-hmm. comprehensive. It sets aside that it's it's a social identifier on that on this platform to say you're open minded. That that's what I yeah. that's what I that's what I read from it. If you don't have that, um, it, it's not saying you're close minded. It just means that you're not open to that level of, level of discussion with potential strangers. Essentially, that's what yeah. most people on on here are like. I think I I've actually like of my um was it. 500 plus followers i think i've actually met in person probably 20 and they're from like family friends and people from sunland and stuff like that so like yeah. 80 plus percent of oh, yeah 80 plus percent of the people on my things i've never met face to face and i haven't had a face to face conversation with them so yeah. yeah i think that was that was where it was always for me is like wanting to show support but wanting to show support in the correct manner it was like i, I didn't yeah. want to kind of like as i said like kind of jump in as if like everybody look at me like and like you get it like especially in like media and all that kind of stuff it's always I, 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 anybody that listens to this show they know i fucking hate media 
Um, yeah, right. But like, it's always been that kind of thing. Like, I've always wanted to have that learn. Like, like anybody that can teach me something, I'll talk. Like, if, if it's going to make me a better person, it's going to make the community a better community. I'm all ears for it. And like you said, there's always been that taboo. And I think on some subconscious level, I've always felt like that within me as well, is that I have this, I want to be able to learn, I want to know what to say, what not to say, how to support, how not to support, because there is a lot of things that people do to show support, but it's detrimental to the communities that they're trying to support. And it's like, I want to be able to kind of spark that conversation of people are allowed to tell you, by the way, what you're saying or doing isn't helping and not be aggressive back as if, well, that's no, I'm trying to be nice. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to be nice, it would be a case of, I'm sorry, can you explain how I can become a better person and be able to show better support that you need? It's like, like, what what support do you as a community need from everybody else to try and like how can we help make it a more inclusive community not just on twitch or youtube but as a societal system Uh, i think yeah really really good point but it's it's trying to identify those social norms and the the social media platform norms and and trying to get them aligned. I don't know if you use TikTok a lot or Twitter a lot, but the feel of using those communities, uh, like using those platforms to reach out to communities, I mean, um, I don't know if you get the same vibe. I feel like the gay community on TikTok is a lot more accepting than it is on Twitter because of just how... um, how powerful it is or how simple it is to use like for the like to say like i support this whereas the the twitter like a like is basically selling saying to everybody else in the world that you agree with that mm. not you not you disagree not that you support it's just i like that i i i'm 100 percent behind that and yeah. if it's a if it's an opinion like um i don't know if you're aware but there's a there's a group called lgb um, and they take out the T because they don't like transgender. Aww. So <laughs> there is there is people in the LGBT community, the, the Team Rainbow, that still try to ostracize people in the wider Team Rainbow. And it's that self-hatred that we're trying to eradicate. There's a prime example in Manchester um, earlier this year, a member of this LGB um, group tried to basically um, heckle at a, um, a RuPaul drag race and mm-hmm. a transgender uh, float, and he got kicked out of the event because <laughs> the event's about accepting right. Team Rainbow, not just a mm-hmm. section of Team Rainbow. Um, and I think that is essentially <sighs> it, it's it's trying to marry up what is socially acceptable and what's actually like the right thing to do mm. hopefully that makes sense no, it, 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 it does it, it's, it's made me want to, uh, it's made me want to go away and kind of think even more about it to kind of right. like because like that's another kind of like 
subsection that I didn't even know that like when you see again when you've seen like the media coverage and all that kind of stuff it's just like the team rainbow everybody's inclusive you don't like yeah. I had never actually I, it didn't even dawn on me that there would be subsections of even that community that had been raised being excluded from so much but still feel that they have to exclude another like that just and, completely baffles me completely but and- did, and uh, another another fun fact about the the acronym as well. And while while we're on the subject, and and you can read into it, L. So it goes LGBT, right? Initially, it was GLBT because um, gay men were seen as the um, societally as the the biggest group and the most hated on. But mm-hmm. the the lesbians in Stonewall. Um, in, in the riots in the late 60s, early 70s, basically the whole Pride March movement, they did a lot more to impact the change towards US um, US um, civil rights movements. So the gay community, the, the gay men just went, we want to put L first, we want to put lesbians first so we can, we can have that um, societal acceptance of lesbians, gays, um, and, and it's not the size of the community or which community you're in. It was just that little appreciation from within the team rainbow to say, yeah. "Let's let's let's start with lesbians. Let's move it through." And I think that kind of acceptance across the board is yeah. um, really respectable. And I think, yeah, I've, yeah, no, that's like like to go from those parts of the community, and then like I, again, that that was a piece of knowledge that I. It, when I was doing the kind of research for this episode, there was so much because there was like a a, a news, a, a BBC story from, like, I think it was like 2015, and it was like news stories you probably wouldn't have learned, or history of mm. the LGBT that you wouldn't have learned. And there was mm. so much in it where it was like, like, and that included, it was just, those are little things that don't seem to make it if that makes sense, like the like, it's as if like they're, they're not important enough. They, like, yeah. does they sh- does they give them the right rhetoric as to what they're trying to push? And like, there was so many little stories. Like, um, one of the ones that I'd seen, um, that I did want to kind of think it was the 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 heading was ninety year old lesbian expelled Air Force One finally gets her uh, honourable discharge. Mm-hmm. And it was like back in like I think it was nineteen fifty five. The story had said um, she 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 ended up going to like a lesbian bar, and she mm-hmm. was followed in by like the military police. Yeah, like yeah, they finally done, and then they turned around and said, well, we won't tell your family, we won't out you to everybody else, but you need to leave." And they put her out as like it was like undesirable. They put mm-hmm. on a record, so she didn't get severance pay. She didn't get anything. She was just removed, and then it was like two thousand and like eighteen, I think, that she finally got the letter from the U.S. military to say that she'd been changed to honorable discharge, and that was like what fifty, sixty years after what had happened. And yeah. it's like, like on one side, you're like that's such a, a, a amazing positive story that came out in the last four years, but then it makes you kind of go. But for the last fifty, she was having to live with that. She she served yep. her country, but because of who she liked, yeah, 
she yeah. wasn't accepted. And you're like, well, it, like she was still, she didn't do any less than what a straight man was doing in the army. So, like, those are the little things. That, but it's just like, that's a story that I had never, ever heard of. It never came out um, kind of in the public, for me anyway. And it's like, and, and the more and more that I, I dived into it, yeah. there was like so many of those little stories where you're like, but yeah. struggle that like he starts seeing just how fucked the struggle was, and it it's just like even like I've never made comments or judged anybody in like that for for their sexual orientation. As I said, my two best friends came up to me when I, they were sixteen. And like I knew it was a big thing. Like even like one of my my best mate when he uh, one came out and the, and told his dad and his dad just disowned him. He hadn't. He's not spoke to his dad in the oh, last dad. like twenty years. And my other best friend, he only told his mum because his dad would probably have done the same thing. And his mum left the room and came back in ten minutes later and said, "Everything's going to be okay. I've got you an appointment with the doctor." And like to him, he was just so like startled that that was the immediate reaction. Like there's something wrong with you. I'll go to an appointment with the doctor. And like he, those were like the two stories that I kind of grew up over the last like fifteen years of like the struggle and that kind of stuff. But just doing this, and I, I recommend to everybody do research on this topic because the more and more I was reading, the more and more like. Got yeah. mentioned, like so, just sadness and hatred to like not even just myself, but to the thought that I was so ignorant to to everything that was going on around me that I was just like, well, I'm not being like that. So, like they're safe with me, but one good person doesn't make up for the thirty thousand assholes out there that are shitting on. Somebody mm-hmm. just because of their, their race, sexuality, or anything like that, and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, fa- family side of uh, the whole coming out thing is um, is what is one thing. Um, it's it's bespoke to how their parents are. <laughs> Those two boys. If yeah. the parents close minded and don't want their kid to be gay, they will just kick them out. That the, the, the I've. Had friends who were kicked out of the house. I've had friends that were um, set upon by their family, so physically and physically assaulted, kicked out of the house, um, basically kicked out of the city um, because of the gear. And it's it it's kind of sad, but it's real. It's still happening. And I think the more we talk about it, um, the more likelihood something might change. And that's what I trying to drive for and it's not just a uk problem it's not just a us problem it's global um a a serious consideration that you might not ever have is which countries you can go to um or which countries you can fly to to go on holiday um i i love australia but i have to potentially fly through three countries that are um where it's illegal to be gay and i could be imprisoned for up to 35 years just Mm -hmm. for being me um Luckily, I'm just passing through the airport, and it's like an hour or two stop. But if they wanted to, their police could come up to me and go, "We don't want you here. Um, here's a prison." Didn't yeah. wasn't there a couple of social media influencers that were in um, like Bora Bora or Fiji or something, and 
they're openly gay and they're like, oh, the people here love us, blah, 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 blah. And then the people of that country are like, dude, it's not that cool to be gay here. Like, they're they're telling you a complete lie. Yeah. Um, a, a premise up. So I've been on holiday to Singapore. I love the place, but it's still it's a, it's a bre- it's a Commonwealth country. So you're not going to serve too much time, but you still serve time mm-hmm. for being gay. I think it's like two years. But the fact that these countries still exist, it's still you can still there's eleven countries you can still die for just being gay, gay yep. in, and five of them are still actively um, putting the death penalty on people. Um, bullshit. Three of which are in Africa. Um, one is in uh, the Caribbean, and one is in Asia. So these are serious considerations when we're flat, when we're just doing normal things like picking a holiday. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it's. I think as long as you're aware of these kind of arching issues and you're open to have a discussion about it, I think that is huge strides towards that. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, there's there's other there's other stories about like coming out. That I've got, I've got plenty of stories of people coming out because obviously <laughs> I know yeah. lots of lots of gay right. people and gay you know, gay friends and um, yeah. what have you. So every story is completely different. Um, but I think once some people decide never to come out as well, and I think that is ultimately one of the saddest things. You've never lived your truest life. Yeah. You've yeah. never been you've never been comfortable enough with the society that you've lived in to just be like go out walk out walk down the street and just exist like the way you, <laughs> you think freedom should work. But um yeah. yeah, that that's that's sadly not the case. Um a really famous person that never came out came out posthumously. So um in her final will and testament, she basically allowed her life partner her, her female life partner to to write memoirs about what they've gone through mm. um it happens to be a u.s a u.s celebrity a lady called sally ride yep do you know who she is i'm familiar with the name but i'm not i don't know them like familiarity wise she's the first female u.s yep. astronaut um she was well. she, she was a lesbian and yep. she she was never out during her entire life she was in the public face and she always had a, um, I think it was a cousin that was close by her, like not basically saying their husband and wife, but like giving that public portrayal of she's got right. a male partner. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of, again, that it's that media and that social acceptance of people. And I think we're coming towards a huge cultural shift where um, it's more acceptable socially just to exist and i think people are openly challenging hate and stupidity with people in in public um you've got the karen movement just record a karen and just say you're being stupid (laughs) that seems to work that seems to work but there's still those those people with their fixed mindset saying this bothers me and i'm telling you about it and i think yeah if you want i can relate that straight back to twitch but essentially it's these people are so strongly determined in the way they're thinking in that moment that they don't care how it impacts people. They don't care how it hits and how um, the repercussions of it long-term. And again, again, most of this, most of this time it is just words, Mm. but words have, words have meaning, right? The the words are intended to to do something. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's interesting, and, and I, I kind of want to switch it. I want to switch gears a little bit, but I like how we okay. follow where the conversation goes. Um, just to kind of give you a break, because you're like not the entire community, and I don't want to like. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm saying like I am. I'm one individual right. in the gay community. I can't speak for everybody across yeah. our community. Right, and I, I think I don't want you yeah. to have to be like you know gay two hours straight. So I kind of want to like take a break, and we'll, we'll circle back around because. I have some other questions, but you're more than just you're more than just gay. You're you're a streamer. You're a content creator. So mm-hmm. in that vein, we've talked about discoverability for communities and whatnot. But what about you? What what about the content you make? What what do you like to stream? What what's sort of your vibe okay. and and what you do? What 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 is Gay Mackham like? What is it? <laughs> oh you know God, I mean? that is a, yeah, that is a fantastic question. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'm the games I mainly stream are like first person shooters, battle royales. So why? Because why? I'm good at them. Because oh. I'm really good at them, and I enjoy. I'm a competitive person, so I've always been like really interested in uh, football or soccer, as an mm. American would put it. Um, I've played it up until I was well. I broke my broke my arm. For those of you viewing, yeah, a little bit. A, uh, I've got a shorter arm because. Um, I snapped it in a, in a bad tackle about two years ago, and I haven't played ever since. But I've always had that competitive nature. I always want to win. Um, uh, so that's why I like first-person shooters. I do um, play... I've started to recently play Forza and, and other um, like platformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, as soon as but, you said FPS, that's him. He's away. He's, yeah, I was he's, like, hey. he's left the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, I, 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 I do understand. Go ahead. Like uh, the the F, the FPS and that kind of because like obviously I've, I've I sit in your your streams quite a lot. Like I, I'm not as active in chat, but I, I think and it is it's, it's one thing that I, I have always noticed is the likes of like the FPS and that kind of stuff is. It's the competitive and all that kind of and, and that and it's one aspect that I've never been able to get into. Like I've tried playing Apex and all that kind of stuff, and I've made a kind of running joke about Apex and getting my first win and getting a first kill and 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 that and and that and it's that what <laughs> makes the competitiveness for you that I don't quite see because I've played football, I've coached football, I've been brought up in that competitive um, atmosphere. I've got a quick question <laughs> and it might sound really weird. Are you an only child? No. Oh, have you got... I've got, got an older you... brother and a younger sister. Oh, same. So I, I would have thought you would have competed for, like, attention and stuff like that. <laughs> going At very early yeah. age, I just went, do you know what? I'm invisible, I'm just going to play myself. <laughs> I was going to say, Chris has got good parents, but I would have been wrong. <laughs> Uh, I think I think we've took that as a, a the polar opposite. So I've always tried to um, match or like better my brother in in just growing up for that attention because whatever my brother got, that's what I've that's the benchmark I've got to hit. And I think yeah. that's something you get when you're a kid. Um, it's not something you like want to do. It's just something that naturally came from me. I think you've just went. Uh, doesn't matter what they do. I'm me. And I think yeah, you've done that right. a lot earlier. A lot earlier. I think I done that when I was like fourteen, fifteen. But obviously, the, the rest of the, the liking football, liking shooting games, and all of that had already been inbuilt. Um, 
but if you if you want to talk about like history of games, I used to love platformers like Sonic, mm-hmm. Pandemonium. Um, used to love Metal Gear Solid. So the first person stories, I love the stories, um, and but I don't think they translate well in streaming because the the stories are very linear, and once you've watched one streamer do it, you've watched every streamer do it mm, essentially. Yeah. So yeah, that, 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 that's why when I'm streaming like Assassin's Creed or something like that, because they branch out, the role-playing games, they branch out. The story's the same, but like what I do in them is slightly different. I'll, I'll tend to focus towards those kind of story games rather than um, like The Last of Us or um, what's it called? Uncharted. Basically, mm. PS, God of War. Like The story for everybody is exactly the same. It's just how they beat the boss that's essentially different. Mm-hmm. Not right, how yeah. they, not, not what kind of characters they interact with, what what kind of journey they take on. So I do play um, role-playing games. It's just very rare. And I do understand yeah. that. <laughs> that does make actually a lot more sense. I just, like, my perception of like Apex, Warzone, uh, Fortnite, those kind of games was just like it, it was kind of just an unknown to me of why somebody put so much time into that mm-hmm. kind of thing just because I it, not in a kind of judgmental it was just because it didn't interest me it just I never really put much thought into why it would interest other people it wasn't mm-hmm. until I started put, like with Bill Bob and, and Titan and stuff like that where I was playing like just casually and I can kind of I've started kind of getting that like it was the same way when I started streaming. I started streaming because it was to give me time from my lifestyle to play mm-hmm. games that I've been wanting to play for years and just never had the time. That was why, like, I've I've been playing kind of like like the, the, the story driven ones and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. Docs was the first one that said, "You say no that you're streaming for that, but as soon as you start seeing the numbers." you'll start getting that little bit competitive of what can I do next to kind of push my numbers up further than that. And yeah. that has kind of effectively happened where every now and again I'm sitting there going, oh, I had a really good stream that way. I got good numbers, good things and that. And it's starting to relay into the likes of, like, I play Warzone off stream with my brother. And I like to say that I'm pretty good at Warzone. Apex is a different one, but... <laughs> Like in the last couple of day- times that I've been playing it with like Bill Bob and Titan, now that I'm starting to get those numbers and that damage count and that it is starting to creep in. It's oh hold on, yeah. if I just add in, maybe if I play that extra hour of the night, I might start be able to, and I'm now starting to understand that kind of that side of the drive of I could be fucking good at this game. And yeah. shit on everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's that. I think that's the innate, like, human nature of feeling like you can do better. Um, But what I want to interact with with what you said about the the current kind of games that you're playing and you're seeing the audience and stuff like that, with those kind of, like, linear story games, I find that the horror community has, like, a huge backing behind it. So linear horror stories um, because they're, they're not there for the story, they're there for the streamer's interaction with that story. Yep. So the yeah. focus should be on the streamer, not the game player, whereas potentially the more competitive games, because the objective is essentially the same. Everybody going into an Apex game, everybody going into a Wazo game is to win, essentially. like yeah. They want to get as many kills as they can and they want to win. 
like there's no real um comprehensive understanding of what needs to be done a game like zelda it's puzzle puzzle solving and sometimes people like to watch how long it takes people to like fix a puzzle that they've done really really quickly so these games have these communities because people are just intrigued of how they've interacted with it and i think that's what the fantastic nature of twitch allows if you're more competitive focused you're going to focus more on a, a battle royale but if you're more like um intrigued on, on puzzle based you're going to like go to um basically most nintendo games let's put it, right. let's put it that yeah. way yeah yeah, that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> um but i think the platform i think is fantastic for allowing these um communities to find each other it's just if they had better architecture in the background to help us find each other and promote yeah. potentially people that they haven't saw more. Um, I think that's where, we, where we're going. And I think if you use YouTube a lot, it's the thumbnail game, right? Like the title of the video doesn't really matter because right. it blocks out after about 20 characters and then it gets dot, dot, dots. So you've, you first like two words of your street of your, your YouTube video title is really important. But the most important thing is that picture is that picture intriguing. And you'll see a lot of them where they're just like, yeah like mind blown mind blown because it's because that's because of the nature of the audience that's on there um personally with my youtube i do the football stuff i do do, because i'm interested in football it's not for the audience and it's it's separating yourself on these platforms to make sure that you're getting the best out of them for you not the other way around Mm. yeah Yeah, it's it's interesting that you make that comment about getting the most out of the platform for you and chris made a comment like i I mentioned numbers and i I mentioned numbers early on because i wanted to warn chris about not focusing on the numbers because a lot of a lot of times streamers or content creators will focus on the analytics and then they tend to live and die by the analytics and Mm -hmm. they forget that the what the people are there for is your passion, your interest, your your vibe, not your analytics, yep. right? Oh yeah. So like when I when I stream something, there's always in the back of my mind, I want to see how this performs to make sure it's it's healthy for the channel because I don't actively want to stream anything that's going to detrimentally affect the channel. But mm-hmm. from the, but the main focus for me is: Am I going to have fun with it? Am I going to enjoy it? Is my community going to enjoy watching me do it? But mm-hmm. anybody in our industry, whether it's a full-time job for like me, like it's the only job I have right now, or if it's like a side hustle or whatever, a major pitfall is analytics, but it's also the only way to understand how you're going to grow. Do you yeah. feel as, as a creator that like you learned how to avoid the pitfall or, or fall in that pitfall before? Absolutely, and I think I think it's having a. I think there's a. a I work for a tech company, and we use a term called the growth mindset, mm-hmm. which is essentially that openness towards questioning rather than just accepting what's there. So, if I just accepted what's there, I would never have done this talk show because that's not my normal content. Do you get do you get what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's, it's 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 more. I'm open to having these kind of conversations. I'm open to to learning more about you two, about what the um, podcast kind of life's about. Um, uh, having that willingness to 
to change and to learn about other stuff um, is inherently beneficial, not only to you um, and your mental health, but to potentially um, your community that you're potentially growing. Um, and you never know how what you say and what you do could impact somebody. And I think that for me is what I'm here for. Um, I, I don't, I'm not here to get like 2 million views or whatever, or make money from it. I'm here to learn about other people, learn about their lives and um, expand my personal just world experience because I don't know what it's like where you live. I don't know what it's like where Chrissy lives. I don't know what it's like where um, some people in my chat live. So um, you've got Turban Legends in the chat at the moment who uh, is in India. You've got uh, Boys in Blues in Manchester. You've got um, Soph, which she's somewhere down south <laughs> in uni. Um, it, and obviously, oh, sorry, Red Red Fox TTV. Uh, she says hi to a fellow Scots, <laughs> a Scots person. <laughs> Um, like I, I, I would never have met these people without the platform. And I think um, the more I can expand and learn about the world I'm living in, the more I can enjoy it. And that's essentially what I'm doing Twitch for. That's what I'm doing my content for. I enjoy football. I enjoy gaming. And I enjoy meeting people. That's it. <laughs> it, it yeah. I, I think that's... Go ahead, Chris. But I was just going to kind of think, I think that's also... Like that's one of the reasons why I've in like I enjoy and, and finally feel safe in like your community because mm-hmm. I can sit like I don't have to chat I don't think, but I can just sit and be doing work or doing something with you in the background and just have that just that kind of calmness where it's mm-hmm. like again everybody's just, it, it doesn't matter what part of the world, it's just, like, I've never once came into your stream, and even if I do say, like, say something in chat, it's it's always that kind of thing where listening to you kind of interact with everybody else that comes in, mm-hmm. you have that, everybody's from somewhere else, and it's always you trying to kind of learn and develop, not necessarily personal relationships, but that sort of streamer chatter relationship where you want to know where they're from and and what they're about kind of thing and i think that's one of the reasons why i feel happy within like your community and that and it's it's one of the things where i'm really really glad that um through monster and like again we always touch on how like me coming into twitch it's just been a kind of domino effect and me meeting so mm-hmm. many amazing people, yeah, and that, that I have a similar kind of thing of everybody's got a story, and I want to hear everybody's story because yeah. the the differences spread throughout. Like um, in like Zim's chat, uh, Kai comes in who is from Indonesia, Singapore, and Singapore. Um, so and every time he comes in, we always have that conversation on. For Zim, it's fucking nine o'clock in the evening. For me, it's six or three a.m. And mm-hmm. Kai's getting up, getting his breakfast, and going out to work. Yeah. And just having that difference in culture, just it always just amazes me, just how wide like that. And that's one thing that I'm happy with Twitch is just how wide the reach is to bring these people to a community. And I think it also kind of touches on how 
Twitch having a better that discoverability of finding certain communities like 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 I had a comment on Tuesday I was playing that Plague's Tale Innocence. I've been wanting to play it since it came out. And good? it was one of the, the, the traps that came in through one of the raids and he messaged me later on in the evening and he was like, oh it was really, really nice being in uh, me. So uh, your commentary in the game was just hilarious. And I've mm-hmm. noticed that throughout where it's like like you said, like in the horror genre, it's more the the streamer's reaction and interaction to the games as yep. opposed to playing like the story games and that. And that like you saying it has kind of just reiterated that well that is where I'm kind of thinking on here is that my commentary is what I've got as a streamer going for me. It's not necessarily the content of what games I play, but it's the the interaction that I have. I mean, granted, I just go around calling everybody a cunt in games, <laughs> which apparently is a great fucking thing. Like, it's such a taboo word, and like, uh, uh, like especially in America, but like apparently that that's what make that and make me scared shitlessly a fucking quack. But that's where my community seems to be going. Um, That's kind of just made it more affirmative of, like, that is essentially what my content is, is it's it's me and my commentary throughout a game. Because I know I'm shit at games. Like, I don't have that sort of mindset of being able to play games. Because even though I've always played games, I've not always played games. So... No, okay. But you've not been... um, Yeah. Yeah, it's not been like, a key thing. Yeah, so it's like I've I've played like Call of Duty. I'll maybe play Call of Duty with my brother for two hours on a Saturday, but the rest of the time I was working or anything like that. When I was younger, we used to play not a lot because when I was younger, it was still in the time where people went outside and played rather than sat in front of a computer. Like my nephew sits most of his time sitting on his Xbox or a tablet which just drives me fucking mental because he's like eight and it's like go outside and play and get dirty and, no outside. And, and do things but like no I'm trying to it's, it's, I'm all, it's almost as if I'm trying to kind of make up for lost time I have to play all the games that I've wanted to play and thing me but it's it's also I just enjoyed playing games with other people like being yep. able to kind of just chat away to other people and laugh at a game and make stupid comments and that. And I think that's why a lot of my streams, I do have, I enjoy streaming with other people and like playing like Phasmophobia, playing Sea of Thieves and, and stuff like that. But playing those games where it's just me, like playing Alien Isolation and I just spent the entire game ripping the arse with every fucking character that I came across. And then the same in this Plague's Tale. Like, the amount of times I was screaming at this five-year-old child that these parents were dead and to get out of the fucking thing. And it's like, I wouldn't get away with that in real life, like, turning to everybody at five and saying, ah, your man dad got their heads cut off, fuck up. But, oh, now, this kind of platform, it's like, it's just comedy. Like, it's not really, like, it's, it's... what I say is not necessarily how I feel. It's just in that instance, it's like the comedic routine. And Got yeah. Okay. It's like, and then I jump into other communities, like say yourselves or like monsters, who's like for the last few while it's been Dead by Daylight 
and then you go into like Titans and that. But at the same time, like you were saying, it also affirms that you were saying, like when you play Apex or anybody plays Apex, because everybody's in the same boat and they want to win, you can go into multiple streams and it does feel as if it's a different stream, even though everybody's playing the same game. Because Which again is just fucking mental to me that like it's another great point that I didn't actually think about and then you go, Well, it makes so much fucking sense and I'm gonna to have to just sit and dwell on that and try and figure out why the fuck I didn't realise that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't why don't you jump in there, Anthony? You look like you had something you wanted to say. Uh yeah, I, I was uh gonna suggest that you jumped in soon because I've noticed you've been a little bit quiet but um, the the whole point of the communities that are available to you on Twitch for me is if you're a streamer you're essentially saying I want to build a community um, there's other there's other channels there's other platforms there's other um, content creators there but they're not quite hitting my niche if they were hitting your niche, you would just go to that that, that stream and their friends and their their streams uh, in and out. So you're you're saying I want to become the perfect community for me, and if you're in my community, I want to listen to your community. And this bubble, this this like ever ending bubble of who you interact with, just gets bigger and bigger. Like the amount of people. If you asked me in April, I would have had about 100 people to potentially uh, fold you on to and, and raid and, and, and what have you. But now I've got that 500 people that I could potentially go, go forward to you. And it's like my mind, that the, the growth of your knowledge and um, community is is exponential. It's obviously it's limited to the how many people are on Twitch, but um, the fact that I can learn so many more people's lives and stories and um, how they, what makes them tick, what what's, what I like about them, what I don't like about them. That, that, that for me is fascinating. And I don't think I would do that out in the street because um, out in the street, I've got an objective to do. I'm going to work. I'm coming back. Um, if I'm out on the street on a day out, it's because I want to go on for a walk and I want to relax. I don't want to meet other people. So like doing the amount of, interactions on yeah. on a social platform just expedites that connectivity to the world for me do you have thoughts yeah. on that Doug? um yeah i think i think one of the things that we talk about a lot chris and i especially as we've talked about the the apparent death of community in person because the way the world is sort of drifted towards technology more and on, on one hand this is has brought a ton of people together but on another hand, it seems like a lot of the stuff that we grew up as kids playing outside, block parties, trick-or-treating until midnight, has sort of gone by the wayside. So for me, the way I look at Twitch as, as a community is, and I've done this I've done this when I started, I look at Twitch and my channel as sort of like, because I grew up in bar culture, my channel is my bar, right? Yeah. When you come into my bar or, or stop by my channel... I'm the bartender. It's my job do, do, to go ahead. Do you know the name of my community? What's that? The gay bar. The gay bar. Nice. Excellent. So yeah, the, for me, I get I look, your vibes that bit. Yeah, I look at I look at my channel as sort of like the local bar. I'm the bartender. What I'm doing on stream is the drinks that you're being served, essentially, right? If I'm playing mm -hmm. like 
an indie title or a triple A or I'm doing a collab or whatever. That's the special of the night. That's what everybody's drinking. That's what we're serving. During that time, it is my job to be entertaining, affable, um, relatable, uh, open, and also focused on what I'm doing. And once I do that, if I do a well, a, a well, uh, if I do it well enough, I would hope that you would either follow sub, drop a tip, whatever, uh, be active in chat, feel safe, feel comfortable. So that when my bar closes and I give you last call, I can then send it down to the gay bar with gay, or I can send it over to the Scottish idiot, Chris or whatever, <laughs> because my yeah. goal is to be able to just send my crew and my people and, and the people I have fun with to someone else's bar so that they can continue to have fun and spread that, 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 that vibe or that chaos or, or that night. creativity. Yeah. Because Twitch to me is a digital pub crawl and I don't know if that's the right way to look at it, <laughs> but because I was a bartender and I've been a bouncer and I've been a number of different careers and a number of different jobs, the most relatable thing and the most analogous thing for me for Twitch is you're at, you're at Doc's bar and once once last call is called, keep the party going. Go over to go over to Gay's. Go over to Chris's. Go over to Monsters. Go over to Zim's. All and that's that's sort of my approach to building that community that we talked about. Because if I can build out a community where we keep the party going, I've done my job. So that when my crew goes to your bar, your crew will come over to my bar and go, well. Gay, we we know Gay's vibe, but Gay's gonna send us over to Docs, and we know what to expect. Docs, Docs is intense. Docs is kind of out there. Docs is a little wild. Docs yeah. is crazy. Docs is a little more up and down. You don't know if he's gonna whip out a bad voice accent, or he's gonna crack a a poor joke, or he's gonna call someone a fuckboy or whatever. But it's all under the auspice of you're safe and we're having fun. Because my friends, I insult the shit out of them. I bust yeah. their chops. I call them dickheads. You know, I'm like, uh, I my kids. Yeah. Like, I'm always busting their chops because that that's that that's a term of effect. That's the way I show affection. Is if I'm not insulting you and harassing you and giving you a hard time and <laughs> and just doing what I can to make you laugh, I don't like you. So <laughs> knowing that, when you come into my okay. bar. I'm going to look at your name and be like, oh, da, 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 welcome to the show. And if you're interacting in chat, I'm going to give you a nickname or I'm going to be like, hey, and if you say something hilarious or you, or you make an asinine comment, I'll be like, what the, you know, whatever. We're cool with it because I yeah. want that. I want that sort of camaraderie that you find when you're totally comfortable with somebody. That doesn't mean we're best friends. There is a bar between us. Like I'm the bartender. But I'm going to know your name, I'm going to know your drink, I'm going to know your story, and I'm going to give you shit for it, mm -hmm. because I like you. Yeah. If I don't like you, I'm not going to interact with you. And if I don't like you, I'm not going to send you over to the gay bar, or Chris's bar, or, or Zim's bar. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, I absolutely do. And I think the, the feature that um, Twitch has above every other platform is that, that pass it on. Mm -hmm. Um Pass it on feature. If it did, if I think Twitch would be dead if it didn't have the raids, hundred percent, hundred percent, because YouTube is essentially the next go-to. And if YouTube had raids, 
the market would just dive dive towards that because everybody's mm-hmm. essentially getting their channel viewed potentially at any point by a lot more people. And I think if that's what your goal is, if that's your competitive nature to get more views, then YouTube's a bigger platform. It makes more sense. But I think with the raid feature on Twitch and that being its USP at the moment, I think that being able to send your community to your friends, your, your the people who you follow, or potentially somebody new. Let's try out a new vibe. Let's let's see who this is. Let's sit, let's find out about them. Um, do, do I think Mark that? says it a lot. Yeah. Do so I do, it, you, it, do you bottom do you bottom surf? I hate to use that as a term, but like bottom surf. I. Like when you go to find somebody to raid, if none of your guys are on or or none of your girls are on, do you like yeah. when you raid? Do you like go raid somebody or do you scroll to the bottom and raid? Because that's no, what I do. I use the tags. I use the tags, and surprisingly okay. enough, the ta- the tags, the gear tags, the LGBTQ tags, the bottom surf on that is not very big. Um, so if you if you use the gear tag right now, there'll be about 50, 50 channels, and you can just pick. The ones from that, um, so the the gear community is is essentially a, a, a huge potential niche in Twitch right now. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do bottom surf essentially, but well, look for the, the low, look, look for people who don't have a lot of views that you want to try and help them. Yeah, I, I would ne- I would never raid somebody with over two hundred views because one, I don't feel that platform enforces that kind of raid. It's just oh, another person send their stuff to me. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's the way that feels because of how many times that that's happened. Like I've seen um, a couple of people read bigger streamers and they just go thanks, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing else happens. Nothing's like what. Tell me about tell me about the person who's read you's community. Tell me about you you as uh, new followers and stuff like that. It's just I'm more yeah. important. Let the streamer feels like or that gives off the vibe that they're the most important thing in the world, and that turns people off. So. There's three criteria if I'm looking for somebody new. One, they don't have followers-only mode on. I, I do get it with bigger right. streamers. Followers-only mode's a thing. But um, if somebody was coming into mind now, I've got six viewers. Um, followers-only mode just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, it does if I've just been hate-rated, and I'll explain I've been hate-rated, but um, that's a separate thing. So they have a webcam, so you can see who they are and how they are actually interacting with their chat. Um, they have... Um, the gear tag <laughs> or an LGBT tag um, because that's a nice, easy identifier. I know everybody in my community might, uh, 99% of the chance of the time will be accepted in there for just being who they are and not in, instantly get bombarded with hate. Yeah. And um, yeah, th- th- those are the three, fa- three main things. It, it's the ratio of doing people you already follow and you trust to, to the new ones. And I think I like to do so I stream every day. I think I like to do maybe three or four to um, to new people per week, but the rest are all to people I already follow and know. Yeah, I think like for me, that's kind of a similar thing. Like when I'm like, if I've got like a, a certain number of viewers that I, it kind of makes sense to read, like mm-hmm. my first thing is kind of like I'll I'll tend to like find someone that's playing like the same game that I was playing or anything like that. But at the same time, I also try and find somebody that's playing the same game that is further behind than me because I don't want to send my community to somebody playing the game that I'm playing but are ahead 
and skipping through because like, again there might be some people that have never seen a playthrough and you don't want to start sending them where they're missing out bits like that um, but it, it's it's still one of the ones where it's like like you said you go into like bigger communities and it is it's, it is kind of like a passing or oh, like okay like it's just a drop in the ocean kind of thing but just shite because it's like for a lot of smaller like streamers and that is it's like it's a big thing going into somebody that's got a lot of viewers because it's like like hi here's my community like this is what i have built and then it especially if they're new especially if they're new yeah um, yeah so i think i have i think the best person i, I guess i've done that with so the, they, they had uh, like 60 viewers at the time and i had maybe eight and i really got a chap called boss um b a i can't remember how you spell it but it's boss oh, just spell yeah. it i think so, i actually even follow yeah. him <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I I really bought, and I think he's got an absolutely wonderful vibe. But I would have never have done that if I didn't do those like basic parameter checks. He had the LGBTQ plus tag on, he had a webcam on, and he wasn't in followers only mode. Um, and I think me having those, the only reason I have those things on is because when I have raided those communities, everybody that's went in and was actively chatting was ignored. Like there's nothing worse than going into a stream and like. I know sometimes you're in a first-person shooter or an apex and you're like focused on the game, but like at the end of the game, they say the chat and just ignore it and go back to the game. And it's like, yeah, this this person doesn't care enough. They, they, yeah. they don't care enough about people. It's all about their self-ego. And I think my community is about making people feel comfortable and accepted. They could be in their bar. They could be in your bar and sit in the background. Mm-hmm. But they, they, need to be, they need to be accepted and welcomed there. That's yeah, essentially it. Yeah. And if they've took if they've took the bravery and, and walked up to the bar and ordered something, they need to be chatted with. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Boss, you meet boss when I raided him. I know I know him from DVD. Once I raided him, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think we all, we've all raided your boss at some point as well. Oh, definitely. I think, I think actually, like, I think it was through Monster that I kind of met him. Mm-hmm. Like again, like I, 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 don't, I tend to be. I'm like, I'm like the background person. I like to just be in the room. Like, as as it's, it's, it's always been my thing. Like, like I've got like ADHD and like a little bit of anxiety. That has always been like that kind of. I might not always go, but I still like to be invited. Like, let me come and just kind of luck in the background i don't want to really be in the attention but I, I still want to be around i still want to be there and having fun um so like that i i do i i prefer going into streams like you say like with communities where it's just like the focus isn't that it's inclusive to like like you said like, going and finding like the tags with like gay or, or or team rainbow or anything like that but it's just been inclusive to everybody like everybody's welcome and i think that's the like that's the feel that i want to get and that's the feel that i get and like 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 your community and monsters community and docs community and that is just that yeah we're accepting of of those communities but it is it's that like you said that plus that encompasses everyone that's 
like open-minded and smart <laughs> like yeah. like just people that just want to just have fun and just like we're all the same like we're all gamers we're streamers we're humans we're just we're just fucking vibing and like that is like that like this like this conversation it has kind of made me kind of think on a lot of things where it's kind of went you know what that is actually a better way to do it like for me my thing was somebody that's playing the same game somebody that if i click on their chat and just i'll usually click on their chat for a, a, like a minute or so and just try and catch the vibe that's going on because like mm-hmm. with your parameters i would never have met like haba because haba doesn't okay. use a webcam yeah, and Haber has turned into like I like on a, a really good internet friend. <laughs> uh, so like I would yeah, never and... have met Haber in that sense, but at the same time, I can, it, it, it was it was more just it, it's more just around the the past experiences that you've had. Like I've raided people yeah. with no webcam on before. I've raided three or four people, and every one of them's just ignored other people. And I think. If you feel like, if I feel like the the community I'm sending across is likely to be ignored, um, yeah. then then I'm not gonna. It, it's added to that parameter. I could take that parameter off whenever I want. I could raid somebody without a um, without a webcam on. I just yeah. I, I just feel like I have to know them. So I think I think I'd already be following them before I do that. Yeah. Rather than rather than yeah. discover it, doing that the the bottom of the barrel or bottom feed or whatever. I can't remember what you called it. Bottom <laughs> um, bottom surfing there you go um if i was doing that I, I think i'm less likely to do do the thumbnail effect uh from youtube clicking on that profile to check it out because i can't see them i don't yeah. know i don't yeah. i don't know if they're cosplaying i don't know if they're, they're focusing if they've got multiple people on their stream like it's um yeah it, it's an interesting it's yeah. an interesting parameter that every streamer ends up getting if they do start um, reading people yeah, yeah. I, I think the the culture of raiding, like you said, is, is really important to Twitch because through raids and through hosts is how a lot of people, especially from like, for me, I don't do anything that's the norm on Twitch, right? Mm-hmm. I've been affiliated as a streamer for three years and I'm still hovering below 350 followers. My growth is very, very like... I'll go two, three and not get any. I'll go four, five and not get any because my content isn't, it's, it's, it's not, it's not real popular. Like I can do the podcast and I do uh, tabletop RPGs and I play indie games and I, uh, I do voice work and I do writing on stream. I do such an eclectic mix of something that for somebody to try and find me, you kind of really got to like go looking. Or you got to know somebody because I have one hand, essentially. My right hand is a claw because of a stroke I had when I was young. So I can't do first person shooters very well. I can't do a lot of like keyboard and mouse games really well. So for me as a streamer, I have to rely on this, right? (laughs) And my energy and my production value, like, you look at the background, how we're at a bar, and I got cameras, I got lights. And I also have to rely on the value of my channel, how much time I can give you live, what I can offer as, like, incentives. Because Twitch is a video game-driven platform, and I 
don't have the skills of like a Tim the Tatman or 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 a, a Game Mackum or a UK Monster. So for <laughs> me, you really have to like I really rely on the raids and the hosts because I'm not going to be playing Apex or I'm not going to be playing Warzone or I'm not going to play League of Legends competitively because I'm so different. So having somebody willing to raid their yep. community into mine or host my channel for me it's like all right we got a bunch of new people here's the bar here's what we're serving make yourself comfortable tell me who you are because that way i'm gonna get interest like i'm not i'm gonna generate that interest of you coming back because you're gonna look at okay what's doc's doing today okay he's doing some whack-ass india i've never seen but mm -hmm. he's gonna put a spin on it because he's gonna crack jokes about it he's gonna talk about the writing style or the music or the development and it's always going to be something different. It's not just, oh, it's another drop. Something different is always going to happen. I'm always going to talk about something different. I'm always going to bring up a different aspect or whatever. Because that's what I have to do. Because mm -hmm. I don't have, through no fault of my own, I don't have the skill set to do uh, an apex or, or stand out on skill alone. I yeah. have to rely on other things that make me unique. And that uniqueness has led me to be very niche. Like you said, you, you search tags to find the gay community or the, or the team rainbow community or whatever. There's no tag for Dox's eclectic weird shit. So raiding <laughs> a host and getting shout outs on Twitter and, and being able to lurk and, and network with streamers is the only, one of the only ways I can grow. Where there's other tools for like people who play certain games or whatnot. So I feel like the key for me is is making my bar, or i.e. my channel, as value, as much value and as much of uh, an atmosphere as possible. Otherwise, like it, it's not gonna happen for me because like mm -hmm. it, it, I don't have those other things to rely on like. Like some streamers do, like I, I don't have super motion graphics. I'm not great at a game, so I really okay. have to present a production and a value that makes you invest in me. But then I also need to sort of tread that line between, yes, you're you're coming to see me, you're coming to hang out with me, but realize that you're I'm still the bartender. There's still that there's still that relationship where there's a a professional relationship of. I'm the guy in the room. I'm the guy chit-chatting with you, but that that's how it is. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that relying on tags is not like an essential thing for the platform. It's just a tool in the platform. Um, and I think as long as you've got that energy and vibe when you're creating this content, it works. Um, if people feel comfortable sticking around, in your in your uh, channel they will if they don't they won't it's as simple as that There's, people are quite cutthroat on uh, is it that you get seven seconds to make a first impression and i think if you're if you're focused on making sure that that first impression is valuable to them mm -hmm. um they're going to stick around and, and be with you regardless of um ability or um the the ableness to play a certain game that they're going to be there for the connectivity that you've you've impressed on them mm -hmm. if 
if you were walking down the street and the first thing you do is flip, flip, flip the bird to somebody like that, that person's that, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're never going to come across to you and be your right. best friend. Then after, are they? They're more likely going to punch you and or ignore you, move away from you. Like it, it's that. Like I said, when I'm reading somebody and they the person doesn't interact with that new community that comes in, I can see why there's a heavy reliance on it. But if you're not interacting with it. Mm. you've wasted an opportunity you've lost you've lost first impressions and sometimes yeah. it could be as simple as the platform that we're using puts a, an add-on and that that read has all got an advert and they're like oh, i can't be asked with this 30 second advert that first first seven seconds that you potentially had to do an impact has been lost because they've <laughs> they've saw an advert yeah. for i don't know coca-cola or whatever and it's um that's something that you can never get over. So when you see, do you know when you see a read, sometimes you'll have like a four and a, a five and a, or like the two numbers are different. Mm. And it'll be, it'll be because they're getting adverts. So some people will be on mobile and don't get the advert instantly. They'll get the advert like 10 minutes in, but people on desktop will have the advert straight away because that's how Twitch is built on this weird old architecture. So it's understanding the platform and how it impacts you. Um, mm. As a as a content creator, but as a community builder as well. Yeah. Do you, do you find right. that's hard to understand? Uh, did you find that difficult to? I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris, but he made an interesting uh, comment. But I, I'm, I think the topic that you're going in is literally what I was going to ask. Okay. Well, what <laughs> did, did you find it difficult to figure out yourself as a content creator, like how to how to like represent that, how to like find your sort of vibe? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no, I found I found that was the most comfortable thing ever. Um, it might be because of my because of my age because I've always been forthcoming about who I am, um, what my likes dislikes, and I'm a, I'm generally a, a, like a, a really honest person. Like most people might might have gone no there, but um, like I if I'm comfortable in something, if I'm comfortable talking to people online, if I'm comfortable um, editing a video, I'll do it. Um, I just have to have the motivation level to click that start button. Um, so me as a content creator, at the first point, obviously I moved from Mixer to uh, Twitch. So mm. I created this account in 2012. So it's had a couple of reiterations and I only really started once Mixer shut down. Um, so um, no, I've never, I've never found it that difficult to find out who I am as a content creator because I've always being willing to change and try to see what kind of content people are sticking around and engaging for. And I think my content creator style on Mixer was more um, competitive focused, but then mm-hmm. it was more um, actually I prefer because it, it t- like you don't get viewers for a long time. If I'm being purely competitive and I was winning all the games, which I never did by the way, <laughs> then I've only got, then I've only got a community that's around for me winning games. And I think as soon as I start losing games, I'm losing people. But as soon as I shifted my mindset, actually, I want to learn about people. People are more interesting than the game. The game's interesting, don't get me wrong, but the people that are around for that are more interesting. There's more about what they're about. There's more variables. There's more um, more interesting points to, to learn from from people than there is media. I guess that makes sense. Chris, do you have a follow-up before? Uh, we got about 30 minutes. There's a few things I want to cover, but Chris, do you have a, oh, sure. another question? Uh, no, I, like, I was just going to kind of touch on the fact that like, 
you said that raids for Twitch is like such an important thing, and on a personal level, I can kind of go with that because I would not have met so many people that I have on Twitch without raids. Like, I first started actually using Twitch, like, even though I, start, I started when it was just in TV, and then I never ever used my account. And it was uh, July last year when I actually started, and it was I was on YouTube and found Sweet Anita clips on YouTube and thought, you know what, I want to go into Twitch and see mm-hmm. what she's offering there. And I kind of stuck around because it was just, our, our streams were like insightful, wholesome, and just, it was saying, and it was a randomly raided Titan in the August, because okay. she usually goes in and just, she'll go to like a game, bottom tier, and just go, right, whoever's got the lowest viewers, that's who we're going to. And she randomly uh, uh, raided Titan. So that's where I met Titan. I stuck around in the community and I've stuck with him since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was a month later that Titan raided Docs. And then again, a month later, Docs raided Monster. And then Monster raided you and Bill Bob and stuff like that. So it's like, it's just been like that initial raid mm-hmm. from Sweet Anita with 2,000 viewers gone to a small community and that's where I kind of go look that it is it's true like like going upwards doesn't make sense but the the point of it is going to that community that can use it can and like you said you need to be able to grab it and take that opportunity because it's a big opportunity especially when you consider with the one percent of twitch getting that grasp is what you need and there's so many people that don't take that mm-hmm. opportunity, like you said, that just don't interact. And, that, and like, surely that's a big part of Twitch is the interaction with you. Otherwise, you would just sit and play the game at your house yeah. alone, <laughs> or watch a YouTube video on it. Like, there's yeah. no level of inter- there's no interaction required on a YouTube video, right? You can yeah. click play, put it on the background, and leave it. That's essentially what lurking is on Twitch, but you can at any point interact with that streamer. The streamer see your message and go, oh, yeah, good point. Let's talk about that now. Um, And I think that's the essentialness of live streaming. Um, So everybody on the live, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at any points, talking points from the VOD, the the podcast, after the fact, when it's it's edited down and, and trimmed, will only feel obliged to interact with the points that they are interested in or that we've brought up. But they they could have, when we're live, asked us that question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that is why Twitch and YouTube Live and Trovo, all these all these live platforms are um, missing a missing a missing out on a trick essentially with with um, what their USP is because they're trying to make all of them the same as these long um, advertising, um, recurring, um, rejuvenated viewership things, but people are there for the personalization of it. I think it's understanding what the platform does, how it does and doesn't work for you or your community, and trying to get the best out of it for not only you, but for the people coming by. Because if nobody came by to my stream, I'd be just streaming to myself for the sake of recording my life, I guess, because right. otherwise 
Um, yeah. That's essentially what it is. It's a VOD service, right? So you've just recorded everything you've done for the last 70 days, I think it is, on Twitch. You've watched Still Life for 70 days. Then after yeah. that, it's all gone. In the past, never existed. YouTube, that exists forever. But again, platform and your choices. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting... It's an interesting decision to become a content creator, whether it's streaming or YouTube or whatever. So the the men, I think the mentality of having to make push that button is uh, an interesting one. Like you have to be willing to put yourself out there for one. You have to be willing to kind of figure out yourself and your style for two. And three, you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're going to get everything. Like, you're going to get people who are ignorant or un- uninformed. You're going to get people who understand your vibe. You're going to get people that may not have been exposed to what you what your brand is or whatnot. And you have to be able to move and adapt and understand, but also set those boundaries. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you'll be overwhelmed. And I think... um. I know we got to get to the happy endings, but there's a couple things I wanted to touch on is one um, advice for uh, somebody who wants to do this job. Like Chris and I have talked about advice and we we give little bits here if we're asked specifically or whatever, but for somebody in your situation and somebody who is of team rainbow and, and is thinking about becoming a content creator, what, what's, what's some advice or some just like, helpful little tidbits that you've gained that might be able to help somebody or, or just kind of give them that push that they need to maybe start and do this or, or do something similar to what we're doing. Um, they, so my, I've got two bits of advice. Um, advice point number one, don't expect the world to jump on your stream straight away, except that it is going to be a slow tumbleweed effect. Um, if you accept that going into it, if you if you think you're going to go live and then 20 people are going to go um, streaming, uh, tune into you, whatever you've got to say in that 20 minutes, um, you're very, very naive at that point because how do they know who you are? Why would they care? Like you haven't given them any any points of um, attack. It's learn It's learning how to communicate that message to the new people that stumble upon your profile as efficiently as possible. Um and you will fail at, at some points to convert people to, to, to long-time um, participants of your channel, shall we say. But also use the people around you. I don't mean, like, use them. I mean, right. ask the people around you what they think your um, best assets are for content creation. If you're really good at playing the guitar, if you're an artist, if you're... Um, if you think you're just average at playing games, but you're really funny or like you work out what you are, what your USP would be or what I say USP, uh, unique selling point. If anybody mm. didn't know that, uh, work out what makes you unique and push that as your, as your first point is your introductory, but then also embellish on it later down the line. Um, and there's, there's a quote from Mary Schmidt in the, in the late 90s with with advice as well. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing out the past for disposal, so getting rid of all of what you've learned, wiping it off, pinning over the ugly bits, 
and recycling it for what it's more than worth. Um, so I, I can give this advice, but it doesn't mean I've necessarily taken it myself. Um, I didn't, I didn't reach out to the people around me saying I'm going live this time. Can you, can you tune in? Um, can you do this? This is my current goal and objective with this content creation. These are, these are things I would have done better off earlier doors if I did that. But I think I'm in a comfortable place in my content creation career. I want to do put air quotes on that because <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with what I'm pushing out uh, or what I'm putting online. And if somebody doesn't like it, they can let me know. I, I'm at the point where um, hate or um, negative comments, I, I, I acknowledge them. Because, like I said at the start, my thing is to acknowledge everybody's presence. And if mm. your instant thing is to flip me off, I'd flip you off back. Um, I acknowledge hate. I acknowledge everything. And then I move on from it because it's just an interaction with another person at the end of the day. Um, and you're going to get more and more interactions with other people throughout your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's. I mean, I don't I don't know how to add on to that because that was succinct and and very well spoken. So I mean, I guess that being said, I mean, other than going, I agree. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that's a, a great way to sum it up. And um, shit, I'm kind of I don't know how to follow it up. So we're gonna move on to the happy ending because it's about two forty and we only go till about three. We go about two and a half, three hours. And I don't want to keep you too late. Cool. So, Anthony, you're welcome to, to stick around. Uh, we discussed the happy ending. Add your two cents onto it, or you can dip out. It's your call. Um, I'll stick around, but I'm going to nip to um, open up the valve, as we, we spoke about earlier. Uh, for those of you that are new to the podcast, or just you can dip out, Anthony. Um, for those of you that are new to the podcast or long-time listeners, we like to end the stream, whether we have a guest or not, with something called the happy ending. And the happy ending is just a couple – Quick little stories that sometimes spiral into big conversations, but we'll try and um, they're positive. They're a positive thing that we kind of want to leave you on and then kind of just bring a little good news to your life and, and maybe kind of pick you up a little bit. So this week we had a couple of stories. I know last week we started with Chris's, so I think we'll hit this week's. Mine is about a 13-year-old uh, lad who um, was diagnosed with a cancer and was accepted by Make-A-Wish to be granted a wish. And instead of wishing for something for himself, he decided to feed the homeless. So basically, 13-year-old boy granted to Make-A-Wish and uses it to feed the homeless every month for a year. So you got a 12-year-old by the name of Abraham who gets the absolute worst news possible. You got terminal, you got terminal illness, kid. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna give you a wish. We're gonna make a dream come true. What does Abraham do? He's like, I don't I don't need anything. I don't I don't want anything. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to feed people. Mega Wish was like, huh? We haven't had and the article goes on to, to talk about how they hadn't had a selfless wish in over 20 years at this point. And I read the article and I I kind of went, I've kind of gone through the make-a-wish thing with my niece. She had uh, cancer really bad when she was young. 
and you know she got through Make a Wish, and the Make a Wish people are dope. But she went to Disneyland. No shade. That was her thing. Glad they were able to make it happen because I sure the fuck couldn't. But this kid Abraham's like, I just I want to feed people, and that's what he does. Once, once a once a month, Make a Wish coordinates with local outreach groups, and they feed about eighty people. And I think before I read the story, I didn't think that Make a Wish could do that. I didn't know that Make a Wish could do. Something like that. I I just thought Make a Wish was like, oh, kid gets a wish fulfilled. So I wanted I wanted to bring this story up not only to give props to the kid for being a selfless person who thinks about others, even in like when he's going through ridiculous chemo and various other things that he was like, my wish is to make sure no one goes hungry at least once a month. I I don't know if I could do that, like going through that. <laughs> I don't know if I would be like, you know, I'm dying over here and I'm puking my guts out but you know what it's about them <laughs> so kudos to that kid and i also wanted to talk about it because i didn't know make a wish could do this i didn't know that this was a thing that make a wish was able to do um thoughts i uh comments well i just i mean it's the power of make a wish like some of the stuff that they can do is just and i think it's also that for make a wish it's not necessarily just them. It's like there's a community, right? It's so a like community you see, like, like like celebrities give their time, sportsmen give their time, um, every like that. That's the way it is, and I think with like this, like as you said, it's, like, it's the first selfless, selfless wish in over twenty years, where this thirteen-year-old kid has just been like, nah, homeless people get them fucking dinner, and. It's is again. It's, it's it's another one of the ones where it adds yeah. to the fucking. If more and more people were like can see that a thirteen-year-old has this selfless identity, where it's like they they can see where things are going wrong and want to fix it. It is. It's like there's adults that don't know how to do that. <laughs> Uh, I think. Uh, do you know a, a kid called Oh Stephen? He, he before he died as well. Um, Steve is he, really local to here. He raised around two million for charity before he died. He had he had cancer as well. He was seventeen, eighteen, and he just made brace. He made bracelets like um, handmade bracelets. I remember he the made, bracelet thing? I, I can't yeah. remember the story of that. So I think. This kid is absolutely um, amazing for linking with that Make a Wish, um, Make a Wish charity to to do something so selfless. But is it one of the first things? Is it? I know, like lots of kids in the Make a Wish program would like a better world. They'd like more refunding for um, other kids in the in the department. So they'll see um, little Sally with leukemia, or see somebody with. Um, some other illness and they'll go, can you fund that one please? And they'll, can you fund that one? But I think the adamancy of this kid is, is absolutely noble. Like that is his ultimate wish. Um, and I think if you press a kid to change their mind, to do something about them, they will. But I don't think this will be the first selfish kid ever to exist in mega wish. I think it's just the most um, selfless and adamant about their, 
about their want to right. to better the world. Because um, Make a Wish kids, how how old is are they normally? Like, what's the the, the oldest Make a Wish kid could be? Uh, I believe seventeen, but I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you were terminally ill in that age range, you you're going to go with um, something that is entertaining, something that is fun for you to do before you get you don't get another chance, like Disney World, like um, going to Miami, what um, going to Universal Studios, whatever that may be, go and see a famous actor, have a celebrity come around to. To help you, like the the Make Wish Foundation is fantastic in what it does, and I think mm-hmm. do do we expect the Make Wish Foundation to um, take the first wish of the kid? Because the first wish of the kid could be, I want a I want a cupcake. <laughs> right. Do we do we want them to do something that is um, uh, very like their ultimate wish right in that moment, or do we want it to do a certain monetary value? And that, that kid was so adamant that. That monetary value should go to feeding as many people as they possibly could, and I think. Yeah, I, 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 find, it, I find it interesting because the article goes on to talk about how he's not done. Like, as in, in the in the article it says, as, as he's recovering, he wants to go beyond make a wish. Like he's made his own thing called Abraham's Table. This he's literally trying to make this a thing that's on a regular thing now beyond the make a wish thing and to be able to 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 <laughs> see what make a wish did and, and put you in contact with these community outreach programs and then have the uh what's the word i'm looking for having the ability to push without make a wishes backing to make this a reality i think that's i think that is going to be an interesting thing because yeah, they're they're doing it with Make a Wish, and Make a Wish has got the backing and and sort of like the resources to do it to bring these community outreaches together to raise the awareness. But then to have the kid go, well, when I get better, this is this is going to happen on a regular. Yeah, hopefully that can be sustained. That's that's my yeah. ultimate like that's my ultimate hope. And the article doesn't say if that's going to happen. But it's gotten traction that the local news and CBS, a, a mm-hmm. bigger network here, has picked up the story and then talking about how um, he's a major inspiration. So hopefully that goodwill from the Make-A-Wish being the ignition point turns this into yeah. a regular thing for his community, 100%. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. And I, th- I find it really interesting as well, the um, the diverse, not the diversity, the the amalgamation of two charity causes essentially here um you've got the yeah. the, the local the local fe- the local hunger um but you've also got the make a wish foundation which is um surprising and and fulfilling wishes of, of vulnerable and terminally ill children which is fantastic causes the fact that they are able to cross over and have that overlay is because of this this one kid yeah. But it's also yeah. it, it's also really kind of sad that there's so many charities needed in place to to fund these. Um, and how if you've got a hundred pound or a hundred dollars right now to donate to a charity, you've got to pick and choose which charities they go to because they're most aligned to what your your current priorities are as a as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking a lot about suicide, you're going to pick something like mental health, uh, mind or something like that. If you're thinking about the troops, you're going to do uh, Royal British Legion or 
uh, veterans fund in, in America. If mm-hmm. you've if you've got kids and they're sick, you're going to go to Make a Wish. And I think there's only so much finite cash that the general populace has that could potentially better some of the core, core issues of society. Um, so like the, the gay community, the, the, the fact that there's a lot of homeless gay commun- uh, in the gay community because the, the family kicks them out, that's something that I help fund with the LGBT Foundation. Um, that's one of my uh, rolling charity things. But it's that's only because that touched me personally. Like, um, do we do we have to impact everybody to make that charity or that cause become a non-issue? And that's that's what I find really sad because yeah, there's so I, many I, good I, causes, isn't there? Yeah, I think that is because like you often hear people like not necessarily complaining, but like um, you look at like uh, cancer. Now, cancer is a, a widely known thing. It impacts everybody. The cancer does not give a fuck about who you are, what you do. It will fuck you up, and that's mm-hmm. it. But when you consider like just how many cancer charities there are. And like they're all doing different, like like you'll have like the the, the brain cancer clinic, and then you've got like bowel cancer. Uh, then you've got like the the kind of overseers like cancer research and Maricure is less of the the cancer research, but it's more giving people with cancer a a more comfortable Care. lifestyle kind of thing. Yeah. Um But as like that's one thing that I often kind of think about is the. So such a wide scale, but so many of these charities are sort of like they're touching on each other and mm-hmm. certain things. Like you said, with like like the the LGBT foundation, homelessness within Team Rainbow is is, is prevalent because getting kicked out and stuff like that. Um, and then. Who who do you go with then? Like do you to support a a whole and then like like you considered like like behind men suicide rates impact those mm-hmm. within Team Rainbow. So it's like well there's another cause like that kind of touches on both. And it is like my confusion is is like it is like it's sad to say that like what you think about in that moment is where your money's kind of going to go and it always seems to be that it just gets docked around for mm-hmm. like as you're passing is that and it's like we with kids like this or just people like this where it is they've kind of they've seen that barrier where two charities have been able to we can both help make this a reality is is a case of maybe more charities have to start seeing those connections where they can go. Well, if we can get two birds with one stone here, if we can start kind of understanding where these connections can be, is mm-hmm. that a way we have to start looking more into it, or is is there another way that? Can, I mean, obviously, one way that we can go is like government start getting their finger out their ass and <laughs> yeah. making these things not necessary. Like we shouldn't have to raise twenty million to fund the NHS. That's a government thing. They should have done that. We don't have to raise money for feeding kids in schools. That's a Anything, government an, issue. A, well, 
it, within the UK, we're, we're looking in ha- in having the NHS as a as a platform which is publicly funded. If the publicly if the public need to fund more, then we need to look at wages and and more in the national insurance and and stuff like that. That would then negate all health related issues if the NHS umbrella incorporated all health related stuff. So that <laughs> that becomes a point of socialism. <laughs> yeah, do, do we want uh oh, i know it, it's it's so it's <laughs> so bad. like if you leave everything to the government to fund that's a socialist society and that scares people but mm-hmm. we all want a better world we all want it to be safer we all want to feel like our time on this earth matters and we all feel like we'd like to help others out when they need it and i think You've got, you've got to, in your head. I want to donate to everything that I possibly can, but my cash is finite. I haven't got an infinite well of money, but and my time is finite. I haven't got an infinite amount of time. My 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 start date is already already there. My end date's coming up. What can I do to make this place a better better world? And one thing I can do is talk to people, learn about their stories, but also another thing is to um, talk about things that are causing issues. I think as long as you're doing that, you're becoming net positive in your impact on your time on Earth. I think that's what we all want to strive for, and that's what that kid's done in Make-A-Wish. He's made his net time that little bit more positive uh, than the other kids in the Make-A-Wish Foundation because he's helping more people than just himself. Yeah, and and, and it's interesting that you you talk about that because Make-A-Wish is you know terminally ill. Kids are they're either going to make yeah. it or they're not like the chances of them making it when make a wish comes through, they look at you and go, okay, kid, there's a good shot. You're not going to make it. So let's make this at least a little bit of happiness in your, in your day and in, in the, in the time remaining. And again, we're not shitting on kids that go to Disneyland or whatever. We're just saying that a kid took that in that moment where he was handed pretty much the world, Right. Because Make-A-Wish is like, we can get you to rock. We can get you this. We can do whatever. The Mm -hmm. kid had all of that in front of him and went, that's great, but I want to make sure somebody else can eat. And Mm -hmm. I think the the level of maturity and and forthrightness and, and thought behind that is on another level. And I think, I think for me, Knowing the way I am, at 13, there's no way in hell I would have thought of that. No yeah. way in hell. And the PlayStation if, 2. Right? I mean, <laughs> if, if, you, if you want to even get more ridiculous, the kid's African-American. Right? Like, how often are African-American kids and people portrayed as thugs and undesirable or whatever? You get an African-American yeah. kid who's 13, has the world laid out for him, and is like, don't feed people. I didn't mm. hear about that. I had to go look for this story on a, on a website that collates all this news. That should have been, that should have been a national story, regardless mm-hmm. of his race or his age. The fact that a kid did a philanthropic thing when he could have had anything. The fact that he was 13 and he was African-American is just other another level of something that should have been brought to the forefront. And I think 
I think this kid and Make a Wish and the, the local communities that got together deserve all the kudos in the world, which is why I wanted to feature it on on this week's happy ending. Fantastic, Three beautiful people doing beautiful things. Facts, I think. <laughs> and so this week for Chris, yeah, uh, he's decided to bring the nature element in because we that seems to be a huge thing with Chris yeah. and I on the happy ending. We tend to highlight nature and human interest. So this week we're looking at humpback whales. Chris, tell us what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, basically, what's happened is in the last they say within the last twenty five years, but it's basic within the last basically COVID era, if we want to call it an era, we might want to forget about it because it's it's almost like the depression. But like basically, what it is is they're talking about the beaches in the sea of uh, Seattle. I think yep. it's the Salish. Salish, the Salish, yeah, Salish, the Salish Sea. But basically, twenty-five years ago, they counted off just there. There was eleven documented calves of humpback whales. This year, when they've done the calculations, it's twenty-one, which means it's basically doubled. And like the humpback whales coming into, um, across the board, they have actually said that, um. It's been uh, like twenty twenty one has been a banner year for female humpbacks coming into the Salish Sea with new calves. Uh, calves only travel with mum for a year uh, or so, and then they're on their own once in familiar waters. They will often return a year to feed and, and stuff like that. Said the fact that with that like twenty five years ago, which was when like the 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 whaling kind of fucking kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, they said within the last like couple of years, there's been a massive turnaround in these things. Even in like the South Atlantic Sea, um, humpbacks had fell to four hundred and fifty, and they like that's that's all that was surviving four hundred and fifty mm. humpback whales. In two thousand and nineteen, that number reached twenty five thousand. Nice because of like the the the, the whaling laws and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that sort of thing. I think um, Biden had put in the protection of like that the Pacific Ocean. I know they've done extra off the coast of Australia at yep. COP twenty six, but uh, Biden had put something like a hundred. I think it's like a hundred and twenty thousand square nautical miles of Pacific Ocean um, for that. So that was like a, a great fucking thing. But it's just the fact that, yet again, it's evidence is showing that a two years of humans not being out and and interacting and having to stay at home and that kind of stuff, it just shows you how how little the human race is required for Earth nature to actually exist. It just shows you how detrimental to that that we have been, and like I mean, like we, we've talked previously the last two years about fucking dolphins and the Venice canals, deer lying about London roundabouts and 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 stuff, but this is another one where you're going like whales were like the humpback whales were an endangered species, and it's another species that we are no longer considering as endangered. 
uh, were starting to look at their their habitat and protecting their habitat. The same with like the wild cats in Scotland and mm. uh, the the larger cats in like uh, America Florida. and the, yeah. yeah the wolves in Canada. Like these are now starting to like people are actually starting, to, and it's not just that people are starting to see it; it's that government and heads of state are starting to understand the importance of this this movement of it it's there's too many positives now that come from it that people can't deny anymore like you did have like a lot of deniers i mean so, uh, like, you didn't need this you didn't need this but now we're starting to see well with just this one change so much good's coming from it mm-hmm. and i've always been the advocate of when we need to start because if the human race was to die out because of the fucking show that we've been putting on what's been the point of the last three four six thousand years like what's the point in humans existing if there's not nothing's going to continue on if we'll have nothing to show for it like what is the point in even trying and then you're like that's where it's like this is the reason is we need to be able to make these changes to show it's worth the difference and to see that like to go from 450 to 25,000 over 20 year is mm. just a massive fucking number that just it's, it's mind blowing to see something like I mean who doesn't love fucking whales <laughs> whales are just like they're, they might be big but they're just like you. it's always because I mean apart from the fuckers killer whales they fucking orca bastards Oreo but, assholes. yeah but like Cool whales, <laughs> the ones that are in Finding Nemo that are amazing and, and we love them. <laughs> they ones are cool. Why would you want to hurt them? Right. But it's just, when I seen it and I thought that's, it's just, it's another win. Because um, they're even saying this, like, it was like over the last two years, the food uh, for humpback whales has even risen because mm-hmm. there hasn't been as many fisher, uh, like ships and that kind of stuff going out fishing. So yep. that's another reason that it's actually started like growing their the population. So it, it, it starts to make you think like, do we start just do we just go into a proper lockdown for everybody for the next ten years? <laughs> like maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> Can I add two two points on that? It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Right. Um, so the the WWF tracks all of the endangered species and the ones yep. that are. Uh, uh, critically endangered, vulnerable, least concerned, and, and so on and so forth. The the tracking of that only came around, I think, off the back of the industrial revolution and what I class as globalization of mm. industry. Um, so you can blame us British for the empire and, and connecting the world together. Yeah. But I think what we've done in the last, well, pretty much since the turn of millennia, um, obviously, the eighties, the, the the network, the instant internet network, the instant communication, and the tracking has allowed the communication and coordination of groups of people to one highlight issues and two start addressing them. Before that, to the industrial revolution until the technology connection, mm. there was just chaos. Right. We we were expanding at some point. We were just expanding and expanding, digging out resources and going. The world's ours. We're dominating it, and now we're going. 
actually we need to consider we want to if we want to stay on the planet we need to calm calm down a little bit and, yeah. and work out what's best for us and i think i like i said these the, the ability to talk to somebody across the world instantly is amazing and i think that for me is the first sign um of progress as humanity <laughs> for yeah. for all of us to say this is how we save the world oh so, definitely so, I, so, um, yeah, if you ask me this and we were, we're in the 70s or 80s, I would be like, yeah, it's bleak. <laughs> Not, nothing's going to change, but yeah, yeah, there you go. I, I, think, yeah. I think the core of this story for me, as I, as I read it, it just goes to highlight that there needs to be a dramatic shift in the philosophy of industry, commerce, and like logistics, because... You've got four at one point. There's 450 humpback whales, right? They're no, they're not being seen. The article says they're not showing up. COVID hits. Shipping is reduced. Fishing is reduced. All of that's reduced. Mm-hmm. Whales come back. Dolphins are in the canals of Venice again. That yeah. to me is the frying pan to the face evidence that we need to shift our philosophy and our um our application of our commerce strategies our shipping strategies our fishing and feeding strategies so that not only we as a as a species of of animal ourselves can flourish and thrive but if we don't make this shift the animals that we are alongside daily are not going to be around and once they're not around we're fucked like it, it's more and more evidence to show that we need to make this shift in the way we do business so that not only do we uh, consider our needs, we consider their needs as well. Because if we don't got them, we don't got, you know, we don't have fish. We don't have air. If we cut down trees, there needs to be a, a dramatic shift. And this is yet another article of every article that Chris and I have brought up the last year and a half of Nature is integral to the survival of the human species. So wake the fuck up and start doing something about it. And I love it because it's just like, I've been saying it for years. I've been saying it to my relatives up north who are like, oh, we don't need wolves. Bitch, you do. They shape the environment. They make your deer hunting better. Oh, we don't need this. <laughs> Bitch, you do. Because you that fish you love to eat, it needs its yeah. predator to maintain a healthy balance. So fucking do something about it. And I think it's great. And I think yeah. having articles like this continue to hammer those points home for people like me and people like you who are like, listen, jackass, nature's important. Fucking start making better business practices. And if we keep pounding these articles out, we keep highlighting how important that nature is or how our reduction in our production or a, yeah. re, a redispersion of our production would benefit us by benefiting them is another way that we're, we might pull our asses out of the fuck frying pan, personally. That's my thought when I read this article. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, well, as uh, uh, like, I, I, I agree with, with, with both of you. It's just, I, I, what you had said was like with the, the Industrial Revolution and just how how blasé everybody was back then. It's like, oh, we just keep on piling and keep on tearing down and just take what we want. And, like, even up till, like, 
even through the kind of technological rise that we've had over the last like twenty years, uh, like the people in the the top places were still those same people that were no 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 we can keep digging we can keep drilling we can keep and I do think that it's like like you'd said earlier and we're now at a point in society where more people are starting to fall out yeah and i think that's where it's the same way in this part is that people are now starting to go hold on that isn't working for us as a species now or as a, a planet and i think yeah. it all kind of ties in where it's like we're now starting to go right we need to make these changes otherwise we are all fucked yeah 100 percent. <laughs> Um, do you do you have a final point, Ian? Uh, yeah, I, I think we've we've said it a lot here um, around like we agree with each other <laughs> on, on what what's generally good for for the um, for the planet for like to make a wish for the for the um, the endangered species. I think what we also need to do is be comfortable enough in challenging each other and saying I disagree with you on that. And being comfortable and accepting that somebody can disagree with you. Because everything we've just said, we're all in agreement, but somebody could go, no, we can keep digging. No, we can keep doing that. We can keep doing it until it, it, we keep doing it until it's a certain point. So I think it's allowing that opinions as a collective are stronger uh, and understanding people. People are people, and the nature of people is to, to win. Right, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that is, it's like, it's opening up that that door for education as well. And it's not that other people are just like, a lot of the times it's not an actual belief that they have. It's something that they've been taught and, again, raised and all that kind of stuff. And I think, mm-hmm. like, it is important to, like, that's that's one of the one things that we, we have kind of wanted this podcast to be, is that it's that there's always two sides to everything and mm-hmm. listening and understanding the other side against you will help you better understand like your own points. Like you you can be on like, like there's a good side and a bad side say you can be on the good side and still not be educated enough in that to know why you're fighting. And mm-hmm. I think it is like, it, it's, you need to, be able to be open-minded enough to kind of understand why you are fighting your side as well as because if you if you know what the other person's fighting against it, it makes your argument kind of better to be able to go right well i understand that but here's like in a calm manner of well here's what information i've got to be able to because they might turn around and go well here's the information i've got and then you can go oh fuck even on the good side that is that I can understand why you've made that point. So yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't want to agree with you with what we just said, but I have to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, I know we I know we ran a little long because the conversation has been really good, and and we we talked over so many points, and there was a lot of points that we didn't get to that I wanted to cover, which just means we're gonna have to have Gay back um, sooner rather than later. But at nope. this time, towards the end of the show, we like to plug our shit and kind of give everybody to go where they need to go. So, Anth, tell the people who you are, what you do, and where they can find you, please. Uh, so, I'm Anth, 
Anthem Mackham, Gear Mackham. I'm on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm on Twitch and Twitter as Gear Mackham, all one word. I'm on YouTube as Anthem Mackham. And um, yeah, come, come by whenever you want. Hell Say hello. Yeah, 100%. Chris, where do people find you? Uh, you could get me right across all social media, basically, is Chris's C90. I've tried to keep it simple and because I get confused when I have to add in different usernames. <laughs> and branding is important. And you guys know me. I'm Dax Ryan. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok at Dax Ryan because branding's a thing. We we really love that you're a part of the conversation. There's been a lot of people, Zim especially, making comments, and we appreciate that. Hopefully we address them. You guys are amazing. Uh, Anth, it's been a pleasure. This is the first time I've actually had a chance to really sit down and interact with you. I know we did a little a bit on Monster Stream, and I popped in your streams a couple times. But, dude, hella good show. I appreciate you coming on. We hope to have you back soon. So, guys, do me a favor and okay. tell the good people that we're uh, telling bye because we're about to end. Goodbye, guys. Oh. Don't forget drunktank.com. That too. Yeah, you can find look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Yeah, right up above my head. You can find us at the drunktank.com. But Good hey, to have fellas, one professional on the show. You know what? It's better than us, all right? I'm just I'm I'm fucking I'm winging it. I'm literally in 32 guys. degrees, freezing my ass off, doing what I can. So I'm gonna miss a thing or two. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. Say bye, Chris. Yeah, bye, Chris. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.